Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Jeez, is it Thursday already? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, like I say, the, the, the weeks are going by fast. I kind of like it actually, though, because it means we're being productive and busy and I'm not sitting around, you know, talking for three hours by myself which I won't have to do today either. Um, yesterday, though, if you didn't hear the show yesterday, yesterday was magic. Something uh, incredible happened. Uh, and it does tend to happen on this show because, you know, we're not afraid to, to push the boundaries and, and make connections and, and do things that, you know, really a lot of times are, are kind of spur of the moment. And then you, they, they work out and you think, wow. You know, and then, then you realize it's God-inspired and you sort of go, oh, okay, you know, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate the help. Um, but yesterday I had my first, uh, the first half hour was me ranting which I tend to do, you know, I'll be writing the first, ha- first hour uh, this morning. Uh, and then we've got Marie Clark, where we're going to talk about uh, what I call the remdesivir ventilator death march. Uh, and then, because every time I've talked about remdesivir, nothing good has come out of it. You know, this is a Gilead product. This is something that uh, Senator Rand Paul's you know, wife owns stock in. Gee, what a big surprise. Uh, there's a lot of bad stuff surrounding it. And so we'll see. It looks kind of cloudy out there, too. So I'm going to let me check the weather real quick, see if we're going to get the thunderstorm overhead, in which case the signal might drop at any time. Um, so let's see what we've got here now. Like I was watching some news program the other day. A guy was like, oh, storm. Hey, guess what? Rain. But it looks like uh, it could be 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. looks like thunderstorms all morning. <laughs> so I'm not really sure what's happening. Well, let's check the, uh, the radar. Let's see what the radar says. See if it looks really bad for us yet. Do, 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 do. Instant weather forecast. So the nice thing is you can use your phone to type into uh, Pensacola Airport radar. And guess what? There's nothing on it. There's no, once again, there's no precipitation on the radar screen. Well, this is fascinating to me. So where are these thunderstorms? Oh, there's a little bit. Okay, so there's a little bit kind of moving through. Looks like it's going to pass to the west of us. But uh, it depends on what they say. When they say 30%, that doesn't mean 30% chance of rain. That means 30%. The rain is 100%. But only 30% of your area is going to be affected by it. So it looks like we might get a little bit, you know, towards the uh, mid-late part of the show. Um, but, again, if I hear thunder, I'll go, hey, you know, like I say, I tell my guests, we could be dropped off here at any time. So, you know, don't, uh, don't be surprised. It's Florida. Um, in California, though, we had five years of drought. So trust me, I'd rather have the rain. And uh, again, I, I'm going to get one of those power source things that keeps me going. We're still, still in process on that as I'm in process on a lot of things. Um, so... A lot's going on. Uh, we've, uh, anyway, let me get back to yesterday. So yesterday, Wendy, Wendy's our, our, our uh, resident minister, and she does something called the Oh My God Report. And we sort of joke around with it because, you know, God appreciates a sense of humor. And she was talking about mercy. And it was fascinating because I thought, you know what? And I, I didn't realize this at the time when I did it, but then I thought, you know, this is a really good combination. Uh, she was followed by Rebecca Charles, who lost her daughter. Uh, when her daughter was killed by her, their hospital. Uh, same thing as Scott Sherrill lost his daughter when she was killed by their hospital. And there's a growing movement across the country of people. And they, like I said, she, they met with the, the Trump team on Zoom. Uh, they talked about this on the show, so it's not, this is no secret meeting or anything like that. But uh, the Trump team now knows that there's some 40 million people out there that have lost loved ones um, to death by hospital or death by government protocol or death by all kinds of things that they didn't have to die. There's no reason for it. These are, you know, typically healthy people, especially since COVID, you know, by itself, 
um, only really affected uh, less than uh, you know one tenth of one percent of the population. Or it was a ridiculously small number of people. We figured out uh, through math that uh, you know if everybody got early treatments and everything was done the right way uh, and it was done with uh, and we all knew this ahead of time. You know, free what, what killed people with COVID was government. Uh, what would have saved people was freedom, which is usually the case. Usually it's, it's the government that ends up killing you, and you, most people could have been saved by freedom. So freedom in this case would have been freedom of information. If people had known about early treatments that we talked about on the show from the very beginning, I mean, we had bills on it, you know, but if people had talked about um, the freedom of information would have saved. Uh, of those million people, 90% at least, so that's all about 100,000, and of those 100,000, you know, most of them uh, wouldn't, you know, well, let me see how it works. COVID only affects, was it 90, you know, less than, than, than 1% of the population um, would have anything beyond moderate symptoms. And so they figure of all the COVID people, they could have saved, you know, over 90% of those with early treatments. So we're talking, you know, ni- you know we're talking less than 1% of less than 1%. Uh, it ends up being about 6,000 people, or about the only amount of people that should have died from COVID. I know that sounds like a small, small number, but you take a million people and you figure, what is it, 99%, uh, was it 90% of them would, how do we do that? I know we figured it out some way. Oh, yeah, I know how we did it. 90, take a million people, uh, only one in six of those million died from COVID. The other five in six died with COVID. So that's not really from COVID, that's with COVID. Well, I mean, if someone dies of a heart attack or cancer or diabetes or any number of other things, you can't count that uh, as a COVID death. That's a, you know, something else. So you take out all the, quote, comorbidities, in other words, other things that can kill you, and you get one in six, which would be 60,000 uh, as, as you figure it all the way through. So uh, that's what we figured. You know, well, anyway, so of those 60,000, 90% plus could have been saved with early treatment. So that's how you get down to 6,000. So that's how it works. That's how we figured it. Um, and a very interesting uh, way to do it. Let's see. Just, let me do my math again here. Just to make sure I'm not totally, you know, make, I want to make sure I know how to do this. So I had a million. I had a million. There's a million in my calculator. And we figure only one-sixth of them. So that would be uh, one in six is what percentage that? <laughs> you know, uh, I know I figured it out before. I'm not going to waste my time doing it now. I know I did it. Trust me, I know I did it. Anyway, I'll, 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 figure it out again sometime. Anyway, we'll talk about that later. Maybe I'll do it during a break. And how did I do that? <laughs> anyway, um, but the other thing is that uh, remdesivir, um, it was this horrible drug that causes kidney failure, causes your lungs to fill with fluid, which puts you on a ventilator, uh, which then kills you. I mean, that's, that's what the hospitals were doing. Uh, and, so, and there's no reason for it because early treatments would have saved you know, almost all the people. You never save everybody. I mean, stuff happens, right? You know, people get old. You know, everything, someone's going to get you at some point. Um, but that was, that was the big uh, thing was that remdesivir is the worst possible thing you could do. And yet that was what, uh, you know, Dr. Fascist and the health Nazis recommended because that way they could scare the hell out of people with everybody dying, even though they were trying to save them. So we tried to save them. They died anyway. No, you killed them. That's what's going on. And so I've talked to some people, I'm trying to get the word out, uh, especially about Rebecca's website. Uh, deathbyhospitalprotocol.com. This is going to be a movement, folks. This is going to be a huge movement and it's going to be a huge voting block. Um, in the next election. And that's exactly what Rebecca told Team Trump when they finally got a meeting to, to blow them away and inform them that, yeah, you got a lot of people that lost loved ones that were killed by their hospitals. Um, and I've talked about this before. My, my webmaster who created uh, the, this new version of writeyourlaws.com was killed by his hospital a year ago, February. Uh, that's Eric Colley. Um, Dr. Peter Pry, my, my favorite uh, reporter, national security reporter, over three years, every, every Monday. 
Uh, he was always here talking about nuclear war, weapons, uh, how to stop the Ukraine war, things like that. Um, died uh, six months after a COVID shot. Well, that, that to me is not a coincidence. So between the COVID shots uh, and the, uh, the death by hospital, I mean, I've lost, you know, really close friends of mine and uh, haven't lost a family member, but um, uh, <laughs> that's another story. I don't really have a lot of connection to family at this point in my life. But anyway, but the point is that uh, most of us have been touched by this. 40 million is a big percentage of the country. So let's, let's, let's see, just uh, 40 million. Let me do a quick, uh, I can divide 40 into 100. 40 divided by 100 is, well, I got 4%. Yeah. So it's almost half the country. Uh, no, wait a minute. 300 million. Oh, start again, Greg. Math is not my strong point. Have you noticed that? 300. So let's go 40 divided by 330 million is 12%. 12% of the population. That's, uh, that's a pretty big voting block, and we'll see what happens. All right. So in other news, let me get my other news up here. We've got uh, a lot of things to talk about this hour. Uh, anybody wants to join me, this is a good hour to do it. Next hour, in fact, the rest of the show is going to be on, on health stuff. And I like, to, I like to kind of match things up by day because you never know what's going to happen. Anyway, so the magic, just to get back to where I started this conversation, the magic of yesterday's show was we had our minister, Wendy, talking to uh, Rebecca, who, as someone who's lost a family member, has just a huge emotional burden. And, you know, everybody feels that, and, and, you know, you've heard of survivor's guilt. You know, it's like if a combat unit comes back and everybody dies except one soldier, that soldier feels terrible. It's like, why did they live and everybody else died? You know, and, and you think, why couldn't they save other people? And I know this goes through people's minds. And, you know, like I say, I'm not going to dwell on this with Rebecca or Scott Scherer or, or the other people in the show because they go through it every day. But um, for everybody else, you know, you know, they feel partially responsible. You know, why couldn't they save their kids? And they have to live with that. Uh, and it's going to be tough for the rest of their lives. They're always going to question, could I have done more? And so the nice thing about having Wendy here was that to, to sort of maybe relieve some of that burden. And that's exactly what she did. So if you didn't hear yesterday's show, um, the, 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 uh, in the second hour, that first half hour of the second hour was magic. It was just, I just let them talk, which is, you know, fine with me. I mean, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't do this out of ego. So if anybody else has something to say, it's not a problem for me to sit back especially when I have to do three-hour shows by myself, which isn't today. But that was fascinating to, uh, to listen to those two. And I see that happening more and more often. I mean, there, there was kind of a reason I wanted to get those two together, that we do need the ministers to step up and work with the people who have lost loved ones and give them the strength to go after the hospitals and the doctors and the nurses uh, and the pharmacists and everybody else in the, in the health Nazi spectrum that killed people um, only because they were just following orders. And because they got money out of it, you know, I think it's what last I, I knew it was about 130,000 uh, plus dollars uh, that were given to uh, hospitals, doctors, nurses, you know, administrators all the way down the line uh, for COVID deaths. And so you got incentives all along the way. The Center for Medicaid Services, the people who pay the Medicaid bills uh, started all this nonsense. And it, and it pretty much goes through because that's where most of the, of the medical costs are spent on, on older folks anyway. And so if you get, they got money for the PCR test. They got money for uh, being admitted to the hospital. They got money for remdesivir. They got money for the ventilator. They got money for the death. And the coroner even got money, you know, for, for uh, listing it as a COVID death. So all along the way, there was money. I mean, this whole thing was bought and paid for. And this system was worked out in advance. They couldn't have suddenly gone, oh, we've got a pandemic. Let's work out an incentive plan to kill people. No, <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. So we know this is all worked out long in advance. I know it was worked out um, probably, I would say, starting around 2010. Uh, they, they put this plan together when they first created Moderna out of nothing. You know, modern 
uh, RNA. <laughs> That's what it stands for, modern NRA. Uh, um, not NRA, RNA. Sorry, sorry, National Rifle Association. You know my slip. Um, but so, yeah, so this stuff, Moderna was created in order to create messenger RNA uh, vaccines, which apparently they don't own or they're not licensed. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what Moderna does. It seems to be an artificial front company, uh, probably for the NIH. Uh, probably, it's probably a, a doctor fascist front company for whatever they were creating from gain of function. Anyway, so we knew also that in 2017, the head of Moderna, uh, went to a TED Talk, their chief doctor, and said, we've hacked the software of life. We can actually, you know, um, uh, put uh, DNA into, you know, ones and zeros and have a, binary, have a binary code for DNA, which means they can create RNA, which means they can create RNA that affects DNA, and, and so on and so on, and then you get the COVID jab. So that's how that works. So that was 2017. So 20, actually 2017 is, is also when they changed the guidelines. They changed the pandemic severity the severity index so that they could go to lockdowns immediately instead of after, you know, almost 2 million people have been killed from, from the, the virus, not, you know, with it, but from it. And so that was a whole different uh, thing. So I knew it was planned because they took away all the safeguards to the government going crazy. And then, of course, they locked down and masked up and all that other stupid stuff, which is all blatantly illegal and unconstitutional. And yet people did it because they have no knowledge of the Constitution. So that's what happened. And that's what we have to make sure it never happens again. But I'm not sure how, because the apathy of this country, I mean, I, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was this bad. I didn't know it was so bad that, uh, you know, when I go to a stadium uh, and actually have people there, uh, with their phones, copying our link to our vaccine product liability bill, uh, copying Matt Gates' uh, email uh, and pasting it in, that they don't send it. I mean, I haven't heard a word from their office. No one's told me. You know, if they, even if 20 or 30 people had sent it in of the audience, which is like 120, it wasn't very big. But uh, of those people, if, if 20 or 30, you know, a, a minor percentage had sent it, sent it in, I'm sure I would have heard about it. Say, hey, Greg, you got 30 people to send us, uh, you know, uh, your bill link. A, you know, which would have been a landslide, you know, because they figure for each person that does something, you know, a hundred to a thousand other people feel exactly the same way. I think it's a thousand. So for every letter, it, it magnifies by a thousand. So each letter you send or each email, they figure a thousand more people, you know, feel the same way. They just haven't written it. So if those, if those say 20 people had written um, Gates' office about our vaccine product liability bill, Gates' office would have looked at that as 20,000. So, but people didn't send it in. I know they didn't because they didn't tell me. You know, and had they told me, I would have reported immediately. You know, and in fact, I'm writing to their office right now because I've got uh, new staff there that I'm in contact with. So if the activists who go to the rallies, you know, rah, rah, yay, yay, rah, rah, you know, won't even send in a, a copy of a bill link, not even the bill, just the link, the link to the bill. They couldn't even, couldn't even send that in. You know, how the hell are we going to get out of this mess? You know, again, conservatives raise complaining to an art form. They're the best complainers in the world. And I was watching uh, another news person last night. Says they'll, they'll boycott, you know, NFL football games for about two games. Those that don't like Bud Light, so the, those horrible ads with, uh, you know, the, the man masquerading as a little girl. Um, Dylan, I don't even know how to say his name. But, uh, yeah, the man masquerading as a little girl. Um, that's perverted. <laughs> that's just weird, right? Uh, anyway, um, but uh, he, they said the conservatives will boycott, you know, one or two games and then they'll watch football again. And I think they're right. You know, uh, conservatives will boycott things for, you know, a couple of weeks and then start buying their product again because they're not consistent. Whereas the left, if they hate you, they hate you forever. They hold a grudge forever. You know, it's quite fascinating. Um, <laughs> I know what's going on with the, with Action Radio. I have had, uh, you know, a guest reported to me that um, that they were censored. You know, and uh, it was fascinating. It's like, yeah, join the club, you know, for being on the show. It's like, oh, <laughs> really? 
Gee, what a surprise. I'm sensitive every day. Get used to it. You know, welcome to the plan. All right. So well, sweet. we've got a bunch of stuff I want to talk about today. Yeah, I want to get on this, this whole, this whole uh, things that you know, aren't covered in the U.S. news. And one of the things that isn't covered is Sergei Lavrov, who is the foreign minister of Russia. And Sergei Lavrov went to the U.N. And he said, uh, we, we know the U.S. blew up our pipeline. Uh, but we want the U.N. to investigate it. And let's uh, let's have a determination. So independent investigation that uh, the U.S. you know that uh, someone blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Uh, let's find out who it is. And the U.N. said, No, we're not going to do that. Well, of course, that means the, the the U.S. of course under under Brandon, you know, the illegal administration vetoed the fact that uh, they don't want the U.N. investigating that they blew up the pipeline. You know, that's what Seymour Hersh says. You know, so Seymour Hersh says they blew up the pipeline. The Russians say they blew up the pipeline. I think most uh, Americans who think about it would say that Brandon blew up the pipeline. The only people who aren't saying it is the Brandon insurrection. They, aren't. they said, oh, we didn't do it. Well, who else could have or would have or wanted to? Russia wouldn't do it. Why would they blow up their own pipeline? That's just stupid, right? Would China do it? I thought China might uh, to, to get a war going between Russia and the United States. They could have done it, but I don't think they did in this case. Uh, because they're, they're too snuggling up to, to Russia so that, uh, you know, if they blew up the pipeline and snuggle it to Russia, that would be pretty hypocritical. Russians are, you know, um, they're not great on freedom, but they're not stupid. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not sure what happens. Anyway, so the, uh, the U.N. investigation was canceled. Gee, what a surprise, right? Well, that, that's because of the Security Council. So there are five permanent members of the Security Council. So you've got the General Assembly and you've got the Security Council. The Security Council is made up of the, of the countries that won World War II. You know, United States, China, Russia, France, and, and Britain, you know, or, or so we think. Russia actually won World War II in Europe uh, because they had 10 times more soldiers in it than did uh, the United States, Britain, and France combined. <laughs> That's just the way it is, right? Uh, 80% of the men born in 1922 died in World War II uh, in Russia. 80% because they all turned 18 in 1940, you know, when, thing, when, when Operation Barbarossa began. I believe it was 1940. Anyway, yeah, 80%. 80% of the men born in 1922, in other words, who were 18 uh, and of eligible army age, died in Russia, 80%. Try to imagine 80% of an entire year of American men dying. You know, we lost 50,000 in Vietnam. Well, that's nothing compared to uh, the millions of soldiers and the millions of, of civilians. I mean, it's like 20 million Russians were killed in World War II. So they, they take their war very seriously. You know, so when, so when people are like, well, we're just going to have uh, NATO take over, you know, take over all the countries of Eastern Europe, they forget that Russia lost 20 million people. All right. I, I don't know. It's probably, I'm sure that was over half their population. You know, I don't know how many Russians there were. It's not a huge country. Uh, maybe, maybe, less, maybe less than half. Whatever it is, it's a lot of people. So anyway, so it'd be interesting to see how this turns out. I'm curious. Well, let's see what happens. All right. Next topic. <laughs> I just have a little bell when I change topics. I'm going to do the hotel bell when I change topics. That might be kind of fun. Let's see if I can find it down here. Where's my hotel bell? Or I can do my news theme. Oh, I haven't done the hotel bell in a while. Usually I use this for stopping an argument, and then I hit the gong. And now our next topic. There we go. <laughs> the economic suicidal course that the Congress has put us on. So Congress is trying to commit economic suicide and economic treason by destroying the U.S. economy. And the way they're trying to destroy the U.S. economy is through their addiction to spending. And so there was a House resolution yesterday that called on only raising the debt ceiling $1.5 trillion, you know, if we had work requirements and cuts in spending and things like that back to uh, 2022 levels. Well, that's nothing. That's tinkering, as I call it. It's just you're, you're just kind of working around the edges, but you're not actually dealing with the problem. The problem is so much more serious than that. I mean, the problem is huge. And it is. It is, it is going to cause the death of our economy. 
Uh, it will be the destruction of this country if Congress doesn't stop borrowing money. So the only way to stop Congress borrowing money is to take away the authority of Congress to borrow money. And the only entity on the planet that is recommending doing that and that actually has the bill to do that is, well, you guessed it, Action Radio. We do. We do. We do. Go to writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. Go to legislation on the menu bar. Click that. Click down three, all proposed laws, and you will see right up near the top our bill to uh, a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. And if you're like, oh, Greg, you can't do that. Yes, I can. <laughs> of course I can. Would you be crazy? Of course I can. There, are, there is no no in my vocabulary. It just isn't. Well, maybe for some things. <laughs> Asparagus, can't stand that. Uh, tofu, can't stand that either. Um, soy, soy products. No, no, sorry. I don't, I don't you know, I don't do, and uh, uh, oysters. I can't eat oysters. I, I can't. Maybe fried or barbecued or something like that, but raw oysters can't do it, you know. So that I say no to. Um, but uh, as far as this other stuff, uh, you know, as far as the constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money, no, we have to have that. It's the only thing that's going to stop them. If you can think of something else, it'll stop Congress from borrowing money. Let me know. Now, of course, the first thing Congress is going to want to do, uh, first of all, they'll condemn it. They'll say it's irresponsible. <laughs> like, like, 30, like borrowing $32 trillion is not irresponsible. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to stop them from borrowing. That is the only responsible course. But they'll say I'm irresponsible. Or they'll say they need the, to borrow money for the necessary expenditures, and I'll say, no, you don't. You've got plenty of money. You take in almost, almost $5 trillion a year just in taxes. If you can't settle uh, all the things that need doing in, with $5 trillion, then obviously, you know, you need to find other work. <laughs> you shouldn't be in Congress. Um, but they're not going to say that. But then they're going to say, going to get nasty. <gasps> but what about an emergency? And which point I'll say, what about an emergency? Do it like everybody else. You know, put, it, put aside a savings account. Well, uh, but what if we have a war? You know, we need to borrow money for 20 years. Well, then don't have that war, idiots. You know, or my favorite one. Well, what if war is declared? What, you know, what are we going to do? And of course, my answer is, what? What if China starts firing missiles at us? You know, going to be here in half an hour. You're going to want Congress to get together and uh, borrow money? <laughs> no, I don't think so. That's not. Gonna, it's too late. Okay. So because the world is so much faster, because uh, things happen much faster. You know, it used to take three months crossing the Atlantic. You know, for a declaration of war to even get here. Well, now it takes 30 minutes for the missiles to get here. Declaration of war or no declaration of war. So in actual fact, once we had nuclear weapons and nuclear missiles and nuclear bombers, we're pretty much always at war. You know, we're at a state of war uh, at all times. It's just uh, it's DEFCON thing, you know, defense condition. So uh, what is it? DEFCON 5 is like pretty cool. Or uh, I forgot which one. DEFCON 1 is normal or DEFCON 5 is normal. Um, I think it gradually works down. Now, maybe it's, uh, I don't know. I have to watch War Games again. Matthew Broderick film. Ali Sheedy. Uh, Gavin, what's his name? <laughs> you know the no Dabney Coleman. Yeah, he's the guy. He's a great actor. All right. So anyway, uh, whatever it is the DEFCON, you know the normal level, you know, and then if you get up to the the, the war level, okay. So that's that's how that works. Um, but it's uh, it, it is definitely um, you know fascinating that uh, this is what they're going to say. Well, we we have to have war in case of, we have to have emergency provision. No, you don't. In fact, now if I remember, oh, it was Jeff Childers. Jeff Childers who, who did this. And he talked about this. Uh, uh, I think he talked about it on the show, and he talked about it in a video. He's talked about this before. He talked about the Weimar Republic. So the Weimar Republic in Germany had a constitution. Pretty good one, too. They had limitations on government. They had, you know, they're doing fine. Uh, but they had one fatal flaw, and that was the emergency clause, that the constitution could be spent, suspended in times of emergency. See, our constitution doesn't have that wisely. There is no suspension clause, restriction clause, you know, compelling state interest clause. There's nothing that can touch the constitution. 
it is, once it's ordained and established, the only thing that can be done is amending it. And each time the, current, the, the Constitution's been amended, it's usually gotten worse. <laughs> so I wouldn't recommend amending it. In fact, I would recommend unamending uh, the parts that were amended. Let's go back and get rid of the, uh, the income tax. The, uh, of course, the Federal Reserve Act is statutory. We have to get rid of that. And the senators have to be elected or appointed by the state legislators again. That's the only way the states are going to get their representation back in Congress. And as we say, uh, taxation without representation is tyranny. So as the states pay the federal government anything without representation of their senators in the Congress, that's tyranny. Uh, So the states are under tyranny. uh, The federal government is reigning supreme. And the people get screwed because the, the federal government can tax us directly, which they never should be able to do. Just that simple. So you need to reverse 1913. So they're going to want to declare an emergency. Well, why would you want that power? Well, so that they can always declare an emergency. So the, the reason you don't want to have an emergency clause uh, in the, uh, the constitutional amendments to take away the power of Congress to borrow money is the first thing they'll do within 30 seconds is declare an emergency, suspend the constitutional amendment to balance the budget, to, I mean, excuse me, to uh, uh, not spend money and, and borrow money. And, of course, the first thing they'll do is borrow more money because they're addicted to it. So that's why you have to pass it with no clause in it. Uh, the other thing, oh, what about natural disaster? Well, we can pay for those two. Uh, what about a pandemic? Well, the cure for pandemics is freedom. <laughs> you know, it's not government spending. So the fact that the government spent trillions of dollars fighting COVID, it was a total waste of, of trillions of dollars because there's no reason to spend anything. You know, health insurance already covered, you know, prescription medicine uh, and hydroxychloroquine, which actually used to be non-prescription. So the way, you cure, the way to cure COVID was to, uh, you know, buy non-prescription hydroxychloroquine, uh, get a recommended uh, amount, to, you know, follow directions on the box, you know, for your weight, you know, take the appropriate amount with zinc, and, uh, you know, COVID's dead. Two weeks. Could have solved the whole thing in two weeks. So Congress never had to borrow any money to, to solve the entire COVID problem because it would have been handled in a few weeks as Peter Navarro sent 80 million, you know, co- uh, hydroxychloroquine doses out there. with. And people, of course, you can buy zinc and you can buy supplemental zinc. That's over the counter. Uh, or just eat a lot of pumpkin seeds because <laughs> they're full of zinc, right? So, so that's how you do it. Anyway, so there's no emergency clause. There's no, there's no getting out of it. There's no getting out of it. Uh, uh, of this amendment. You just have to pass a, a clean amendment. That's what I'm going to call it. Because that's what Democrats call a, a bill that's loaded with pork. <laughs> but I like using the language because it sounds good. So you need to pass a clean constitutional amendment that says Congress can't borrow any more money. That's it. And that'll pretty much take care of all our economic problems. Because once Congress stops borrowing money, that means inflation stops, printing of extra money stops, the money becomes stable, money gains more value, the prices go down, we have we have de-inflation, everything's wonderful, there's no need for a Fed because interest rates will be market rates, and they'll be much, pretty much stabilized. If the currency is stabilized, the interest rates will be stabilized because there's no inflation. Right? Easy peasy. So that's why that is the most important amendment right now. Got a couple of bills that are most important, that's vaccine product liability uh, and ending big tech censorship. So let me get you a quote here. Quote by our, our dear Congressman Matt Gates, who has still not contacted me yet, or his staff about uh, coming on the show, even though I've asked several times in both writing and a personal appearance last Friday, but we'll see. Anyway, the headline out of uh, Matt Gates' uh, update I just got last night, House passes debt resolution bill without four conservative Republicans, and that would be including Matt Gates. So why did, the, why did these four Republicans vote with the Democrats? Well, not for the reason the Democrat, Democrats voted against it because there were conditions on raising the debt ceiling. The Republicans voted against it because it raised the debt ceiling. <laughs> okay, so this is one of those interesting coalitions. But uh, this should have been defeated because, you know, to say, well, we'll let you have uh, $1.5 trillion more in debt ceiling, but you have to have work requirements and some of these other things. No. You say you can't have any more money. In fact, we're going to lower the debt ceiling, forcing you to pay off some of it, you know, before you spend money in other places. Uh, and we're still going to require that you have all these different work requirements for welfare and things like that. 
that's what they should have done, but they're they're not that 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 gutsy or strong. Anyway, so this is from Matt Gates' uh, own uh, update. Uh, he says in defending his, his vote. Uh, last night, as early as March 2017, Representative Gates has consistently advocated for work requirements to be a feature of federal spending reform. Yes, they should, but not conditional on a debt increase, just existing you know, on their own. Then it says, most recently, uh, in February of this year, Representative Gates, along with Representatives Andy Biggs, Dan Bishop, Lauren Boebert, and Ralph Norman, uh, issued a letter to, uh, they say president, but I can't do that because he's not, issued a letter to uh, the Biden regime insurrection, urging the insurrectionists to erect, enact work requirements. Well, that's just absurd. What, why, would you, why would you even bother writing a letter to somebody who's not the president, who hates the idea of work requirements, who is kowtowing to their Marxist leaders, Obama, Susan Rice, Hillary Clinton, et al. You know, he's, it's just, you might as well just, uh, it's like, uh, you know, sneezing into a high wind. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't really accomplish much, and it blows back in your face. So why do it, right? Anyway, I made this little graphic for my morning, uh, my morning listeners. Anyway, then uh, the Gates uh, uh, newsletter says the lawmakers called for the brand, my words, branded insurrection to work with Congress. Well, they're not going to do that either because they don't care. They're illegal. If you've got an illegal government, you know, bringing in millions of illegal aliens, why would you ever expect them to work with you? They don't care. They simply don't care. You're not relevant, Congress. You're not relevant. You're not. You don't mean anything to them because they still have the government, which means they think they can do anything they want. And until you stop them gelding Republicans, gelding old party, they're going to keep doing it. All right. It says, and then it says here, lawmakers called for the Brandon insurrection to work with Congress to cut irresponsible spending. Well, most spending is irresponsible. It's almost redundant, right? Uh, in order to address the looming national debt crisis. Well, it's not looming. It's here. Uh, it's been here for a long time. It's not looming. Okay. This debt crisis is real. It's right here. It's economic treason and economic suicide at the same time. Then it says, furthermore, that's a big word, uh, during Congressman Gates' four terms in Congress, he has consistently voted against raising the debt ceiling. Well, good for him. That's really good. But what he needs to do is to get everybody else to vote against raising the debt ceiling. That's what he needs to do. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, a quote from, from, from Matt Gates: as our nation is careening into a $30 trillion national debt, Congress shouldn't be making final changes at 2 a.m. in the morning uh, of the vote. Uh, to legislation raising the debt limit $1.5 trillion. $1.5 trillion? You know, these people only take in four point five, So that's like a third. They've raised the debt ceiling a third of the national revenue. This is insane. Then it says, while I applaud the work of my Republican colleagues to demand better energy policy, regulatory reform, welfare-to-work requirements, and less spending, uh, troubling fact remains. This plan will increase America's debt by $16 trillion over the next 10 years. Well, that's, that's a meaningless statement because every year the budget changes. So you have no idea. You're just projecting based on today's budget, but you can't do that because you know, they don't know what the next budget is going to be. Then it says gaslighting nearly $50 trillion in debt to America is something my conscience cannot abide at this time, said Congressman Gates. Well, if you can't handle gaslighting $50 trillion, then why don't you, you know, take to Congress our constitutional amendment to end Congress borrowing money, Representative Matt Gates. <laughs> And, and all the other conservatives that voted against this, you know, Ralph Norman, Lauren, Lauren Bobert, and Dan Bishop, why don't you folks take our constitutional amendment to Congress and say we demand that this pass? In fact, we're going to start boycotting Congress until it passes. I mean, take a stand. Say no. No money gets spent until we take away the power of Congress to borrow money. You have to do it. It's like, a, it's like an alcoholic taking away their ability to, to bring alcohol into the house. You got to do it. Anyway, Calman's online. Hey, Calman. 
Let me take a break right now. I'll come back with more stuff for you. I've got uh, articles. I've got things. It is 731. 731. Let's go. What's today? 727? 727. That was a great airplane, by the way. 727. Airplanes aren't cool anymore. They used to be cool. 707, 727s. Even the early 737s were cool. DC-9 was cool. DC-8 was cool. That's it. <laughs> Once you got the modern jets, everything got really boring. All right, 732 now. So I'm going to get 732, play some stuff, and I'll be back in just a little bit. Let me just quickly scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, let's have a little fun. I'm going to play something for you as well. I haven't played with, It's good to do political pieces once in a while. So if uh, Seattle's been on your mind, uh, this is, here's our, here's our uh, action radio idea of a tour to Seattle with Chaz, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. Ah, Seattle, time to visit again, or for the first time. No matter how many times, you'll never forget this visit to Seattle. Watching the sun set on the West Coast, the guitarists on the street corners, people walking, hanging around the many cafes and art enclaves, just taking it all in. From Pike Place Market to the first Starbucks, to the whales in Puget Sound, and views of Mount Rainier, there is nothing like Seattle. And now, you can watch the sunsets glistening off the broken glass in the streets, various styles of bottles used for Molotov cocktails, fashion statements made with creative body armor, the use of improvised weapons, the never-ending art forms painted on every building, particularly the man parts, and the beautiful sound of voices in unison, expressing their fondest wishes and desires for your life and property. So how can you visit this enchanted never-never land of the Northwest during their summer of love? Snowflake Tours has teamed up with the Seattle Board of Economic Development, Tourism, and Riot Promotion to extend the warmest of welcomes to our latest attraction, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, affectionately known as Chaz. Soon to be called CHOP, but we like Chaz better. If you think Disneyland is a good time, it's nothing compared to Chaz. Chaz being an autonomous nation within the United States, protected by the Seattle Mayor and City Council, you can't just walk in like illegal aliens at our southern border. This is because there is a wall and guards openly carrying firearms in order to maintain the security of this new fledgling nation. So, there is a procedure to gain access. Snowflake Tours has made this an escorted tour for your safety, and so you'll be surrounded by people who look like you. White people will have an Antifa tour guide direct from their mommy's basement. But don't worry, they can protect you because they are fully indoctrinated and trained with the latest techniques of mayhem and street combat. Black people will be escorted by a member of Black Lives Matter. Fresh from riots across the country and funded by Amazon and other mega corporations, with their training and experience, you couldn't be in better hands. And of course, they speak black. Take in the wonders of Chaz while you are there. You can warm yourself by the burning book piles, feel the camaraderie as you are swept up in a march or rally, get a brief audience with our warlord, but not for too long, and be sure to make an offering. A blank check, signed, is preferred. Don't worry about the police, there aren't any, which is fine because there aren't any laws either. Businesses and attractions may not be there when you get there, depending on the needs of the people. The unique feature of this tour is that rather than enjoy the things that are already there, on this tour it's what you bring to the table that counts. Money, supplies, there is a whole provision list of things like food, water, batteries, jewelry, and other commodities of exchange to choose from in donation to keep Chaz a people's paradise. On this vacation, you show up with full suitcases and leave with empty ones. That's what makes this tour so special. Chaz, a new nation, 
a new concept coming to a liberal city near you. Well, apparently it's not there and hasn't been there for a while. I may have to stop playing that one. But I have so much fun with the, with the concepts. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do a little bit of research and see if it's actually still working or not. But I think not. But uh, that's okay. It's still fun to play. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio part of the ADHD radio network, the ultimate 
Free Speech Zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. So it's a muggy day here in the panhandle of Florida up in the Gulf Coast, uh, up near the Alabama border here. Um, I got rain in the forecast. I got rain passing, you know, by us, maybe over us at some point in the show. So, again, if you hear loud thunder, boomers, and things like that, and the show suddenly cuts out, well, I'll just start it up again. (laughs) Although I don't like to have that happen because it really takes away uh, from the the continuity of the show, as they say. And so we like to have our continuity maintained. All right, let's get to uh, news. check what's coming over the wire. So I thought it might be interesting to explain how official uh, Washington explains uh, the economic suicide that they're putting us under and the economic treason of continuing to raise the national debt ceiling, uh, which uh, is absolutely absurd in terminology, because if you keep raising the debt ceiling, then it's not a ceiling. Uh, it's actually a floor, or as I call it, the debt elevator, which only has one direction, and that's up. So they've actually raised the debt elevator. <laughs> so we need to start calling it that. I mean, correct language is always important. So Kevin McDeepstate, I'm going to go back to calling him that. Kevin Mick, it takes a while to say that because it requires a little bit of pronunciation. Kevin McDeepstate, the, the current um, uh, Speaker of the House, uh, is all fired up because he got, uh, he got the debt increase raised, which I'm sure he's happy with, um, and which is insane when you think about it. Um, and he got some moderate considerations. Well, let's see what actually works out, too. The website Insider, uh, the author is Ayelet, Sheffrey, uh, Juliana Kaplan, Eliza Relman, and Warren Rojas. There we go. I thought this took four of them to write this article, apparently. Uh, this is from yesterday. And it says, 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 Speaker of the House, Kevin McDeepstate, my words, just got his debt ceiling legislation passed by the seat of his pants. In other words, he's successful. He raised the debt ceiling. See, you idiots. That's, that's the problem with, with, with uh, these reporters. Four of them made exactly the same mistake. You should be condemning it. He said, unfortunately, due to tragic circumstances and, it, you know, and idiocy, the debt ceiling was once again raised, thus putting the United States in position of economic suicide. I mean, that's how I'd write the article because that's how I'm saying it right now. Then it says on Wednesday, McCarthy, uh, McDeep State, excuse me, brought the Limit Save Grow Act of 2023. Limit Save Grow? <laughs> Is that what they're calling it now? Uh, this, is like, this is like the inflation, you know, this is like the, the Inflation Reduction Act. Right. The Limit Save Grow Act of 2023 to the House floor. Uh, the only thing that was growing was the national debt. <laughs> that was what was growing. Uh, you, were, you were saving, I guess, your, uh, uh, yourselves for more spending. And I, I don't think anything was actually limited. 
but we shall see. Anyway, they probably limited the bills to uh, to fix this. That's what they limited. All right. So anyway, this act was brought to the House floor, even as some members of his own party remain skeptical. That would be Gates, Boebert, Douglas, the other folks there. The bill ultimately passed by 2017 to 2015. Wow. <laughs> so if one if one Republican, one more Republican had uh, switched their vote, it'd be 2016 to 2016. And they would have had a tie. Of course, Kevin McDeepstate, would have, being the speaker, would have cast the tie-breaking vote. Uh, and so uh, it still would have, the Republicans still, but if three votes? What if three Republicans had said, you know, screw you. <laughs> no more debt ceiling increases. You know, I, I don't mind voting for a bill to limit spending, but it, it can't have an increase in the debt. And, and what kind of logic is that when you think that the only way they can get limits on spending uh, is to increase the debt ceiling? So in other words, but increasing the debt ceiling allows for more spending. So the only way they can get less spending is to actually authorize more spending. Well, if that's the case, if they're authorizing more spending, they're going to get more spending, not less spending. So why even bother with this ridiculous pretense that they're trying to limit spending when, in fact, they're actually raising the debt ceiling, allowing them to borrow more money? So they're just raising the, the national – we should say they're raising the national debt. They're not raising the ceiling. There is no ceiling. There hasn't been a ceiling in 30 years uh, since they first started doing this. So they're raising the national debt. That's what they're raising. You know, and this is where it com- comes from. But uh, three votes could have changed this. All, all it took was three Republicans with a little bit of guts to say, no, we're not going to vote for this. We're not going to, you know, unless you're going to uh, either maintain, either, what they really should do is lower the debt ceiling. Or, or, but better still, stop, stop borrowing. You know, uh, pass a bill that Congress shall not borrow any money this year. <gasps> Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wow. Gee, maybe have a constitutional amendment to take away the power of Congress to borrow money. That's what you have to do. It's like taking alcohol from an alcoholic. That's exactly what we're doing here. We're taking, taking money away from, from Congress so they can't spend it. That's what you have to do. Anyway, the, legislation, the article says, under the legislation, which still has a long road to becoming law. Yeah, right. Uh, it's never going to become law because the Democrats won't let it. And we know what the geldings do. The geldings will kowtow, cave, and uh, otherwise whimper and go home. Anyway, it says the debt ceiling, excuse me, the debt elevator, would rise by, by just <laughs> – they actually would use the word just, just $1.5 trillion. Could have been worse, folks. It could have been $10 trillion, right? It, but they only raised it $1.5 trillion, or until uh, March 31st, 2024, depending on whichever comes first. <laughs> I didn't know what that means. This is the package would slash spending by $4.5 trillion and further increase work requirements on public welfare programs, ban student loan forgiveness programs, and claw back earmarked pandemic spending. Well, you should get rid of all this pandemic spending. But how can you cut $4.5 trillion well, authorizing spending $1.5 trillion more. So they're actually only cutting at $3 trillion if that spending is actually cut. Because the $1.5 trillion uh, increase in the debt ceiling will authorize $1.5 trillion out of that $4.5 trillion, leaving you $3 trillion. So, so, but why would you authorize more spending if you're trying to cut spending? That's counterintuitive. That's, that's irrational. It doesn't work. That's a, I'm really tired. I need to go home. And then saying, well, you know, then starting on a, on a journey across the country walking. It's the same kind of logic. Anyway, this is GOP reps Matt Gates and Tim Burchett, B-U-R-C-H-E-T, Burchett, were reportedly among the Republicans that voted against the bill's passage. Well, you know exactly who voted against it because the, 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 all these votes are recorded. You know, they go up on a wall, everybody's name beside it. You know, you take a picture of the name, but they, they read it anyway. It goes in the congressional record. We know who voted against it. What do you mean reportedly vote against it unless they were, weren't watching the tabulator? Anyway, so when the official time on the vote was wound down, <laughs> that count was 213 against and 216 in support. Oh, see all the Democrats voted against this. 
uh, not because it uh, it cuts spending, but because it, you know, not because it, it uh, only raised the debt ceiling one point five trillion, but it's because it had any spending cuts at all. See, Democrats cannot have spending cuts. If it's against their religion, against their philosophy, Democrats will never cut spending. They just won't. So the fact that Republicans will only cut spending when they authorize more spending. Uh, so the Democrats are irrational, uh, and the Democrats are obsessed. <laughs> so the, I mean, that's how it comes down. Demo- Republicans are, are are irrational. You know, thinking they can cut spending by increasing spending, uh, and the Democrats are are obsessed with spending money at all costs. I mean, literally at all costs, at the cost of our nation. Anyway, it says Democrat Representative Mike Quigley of Illinois, who had been talking to reporters in the Speaker's lobby, popped his head into the chamber while Republicans' voting votes still lag behind. He says, "I wonder who hasn't voted." Oh, we know who hasn't voted. At least the four people who were. Uh, I guess it anyway. And this is quickly said, chuckling as he walked away. Four minutes later, GOP leaders gavel the floor vote closed as, after sewing things up on the floor. That's what we call arm twisting. <laughs> you know, that's where the, the whip, <laughs> the reason there's, a, there's a, a majority whip, you know, literally whips the members and, and verbally, uh, as far as I know. I don't know what else they do. But anyway, it's Congress, you know, behind closed doors, right? Um, but they, they, the, the majority whip and the minority whip is designed to whip votes. In other words, they're there to make sure that the vote goes the way the party wants. Well, so much for representation, huh? So if you go against the party, you go against the whip, you know, then you're on your own. And that's we have these four people in Congress on their own, but they're so popular they can get away with it. That's how it works. If you're not popular, you can't get away with it. But if you are popular, you can't. Anyway, it says, but it's far from a done deal. Article says it faces a Senate with a razor-thin Democrat majority who are unlikely to sign onto anything making welfare more difficult to access and rolling back their blockbuster inflation reduction act. Okay, what they should call it is the spending buster inflation reduction act. A, it doesn't reduce inflation. Uh, B, it increases spending. So it's a Democrat majority who are unlikely to sign onto anything making welfare more difficult. Well, wait a minute. We have to cut spending. And, of course, they don't mention the, uh, the increase in the national debt. Are we increasing the national debt to increase the welfare? Well, let's ask that question, insider. Then it says Democrat senators insisted on Wednesday that the House bill is dead on arrival in the Senate. Well, then the, then the country is going to be dead on arrival of, of their bill when it finally passes. Then it says, I don't think it will have any impact on what happens in the Senate. Senator, Senator Chris Coons, a Delaware Democrat. Oh, yeah, I've seen him before. Uh, says, we are having several subcommittee hearings today to discuss and debate the president's budget, uh, even though he's not the president, <laughs> and what we should spend. And that's what should happen. I don't know what the House is engaging in, but it's certainly not uh, what is ultimately going to make a difference in this outcome. Oh, the House doesn't make any difference in the outcome. What, do you mean the fix is in? Well, actually it is, because with the House being Democrat, and the Republicans being weenies, you know, they won't even uh, take uh, co-chairs when they have equal numbers to the Democrats. All right. So, uh, yeah, they got a problem. Big problem. Um, so this bill. So in other words, we're going to commit economic suicide and treason and keep doing what we're doing. This is but Moody's analytics finds that the GOP's plan could still cost the country 780,000 jobs. <gasps> Isn't that interesting? So they're willing to trade a million jobs just so they can spend money for reelection uh, uh, for people that don't have enough money to you know do anything uh, uh, in the economy. Great. Brilliant plan. Uh, this is exacerbate a potential downturn with the uncertainty of yet another debt ceiling fight in under a year. Oh, that's even more special. <laughs> so they're doing this. They're, they're raising the debt elevator, uh, knowing they're going to have to raise the debt elevator again yes, some, less than a year later. Well, this just keeps, it's the gift that keeps on giving. It really is. I got some Tucker news. I got some McCarthy news. Uh, I've got, uh, what else I got here? All kinds of stuff. Anyway, uh, I think I might take another quick break here, play the rest of my commercials, because the rest of the show, we've got people. i got guests. 
and guests are always more interesting than listening to me talk. So let me play you, what was it now, 7.51? 7.51. I'll get all my announcements and stuff out of the way. Oh, also, uh, you want to note our websites, writeyourlaws.com. That's where our legislation is, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E. You want to note uh, the website you're on now, which is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Uh, our contribution site, givesendgo.com slash actionradio. And our substack is gregpangolis.substack.com. That will get you going with all of the uh, interesting thoughts that I have other than the ones I mentioned here on the show. Right, so go back here quickly, quickly. Here we go. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend, Jason Myers, and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand Your Ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Dangerously cool. 
Well, it looks like this is definitely a gym day rather than a bike riding day. Yesterday, I had a fabulous bike ride. Uh, anybody who's on my Facebook page, I had a nice uh, uh, visit with a hawk in the tree. It was far enough away. I mean, I, I took a video of it, and of course, I looked up uh, hawk as my spirit animal. And it is, you know, it's got some good stuff there of uh, being focused and uh, change coming and uh, you know, various uh, things of how to be precise and timing your attacks and all kinds of things. So uh, having a hawk for a spirit animal is a good thing. All right, so I've got uh, Marie Clark coming in here in just a few minutes. And we're going to talk about remdesivir, and not necessarily a scientific um, discussion so much as experience with what's happened. And some really horrible things have happened because a lot of people have died. You know, the reason I call it the remdesivir ventilator death march is because that's the hospital protocol. That's what we've been talking about with Rebecca Charles, you know, her, her new website, you know, death by hospital protocol is all about the remdesivir ventilator death march. So they give you inappropriate medicine that makes a fortune, uh, puts you on a ventilator, which uh, kills like 80 to 90% of the people that go on it. Great treatment, huh? Can you imagine uh, this is, you know, of course, they don't say the ventilators are, are safe and effective. Uh, they're effective at one thing, killing people. And so, and the reason is because you take something that fills your lungs with fluid and they try and blow the fluid out with a ventilator to, you know, inflate your lungs. And of course the lungs under all that hydrostatic pressure blow up. Uh, and so it's, it's crazy. Whereas when my chest filled with fluid after open heart surgery, cause they gave me blood thinners, uh, they actually took the fluid out. So why don't they do the same thing with remdesivir knowing full well that uh, one of the, uh, the dangerous, uh, deadly side effects of remdesivir is the fact that your kidneys fail and your, your chest fills up with uh, that fluid. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it. Um, the, the correct response would be to take that fluid out, you know, and then, of course, not do remdesivir in the first place. The correct thing is what the, NA and, uh, the National Institute of uh, Health said way back in the beginning. In fact, I found a little study just going back. Uh, I've included this in my early COVID articles, but it's amazing. And it says hydroxychloroquine is effective and consistently so when provided early for COVID-19. That's true. Listen to this. Uh, this is from the National Library of Medicine. This is the NIH. This is where Dr. Fascist, you know, has his NIAID, the, the, the National uh, Association of uh, what, whatever it is, infectious diseases. And, he, and the guy's not even a virologist. He doesn't know. He, he's not a microbiologist, not a virologist. He doesn't know anything about this other than how to, you know, give out grant money and, uh, and kill a million people. And yet he's running the infectious disease division when he doesn't have any specialty in infectious diseases. He's an MD. He's a basic MD. He's like a little country doctor. Nothing wrong with country doctor. It's actually really good. He'd be a bad one. You know, it's a good thing he doesn't practice medicine because I think all his patients would be dead. Uh, in fact, that'd be an interesting thing to find out. Has he ever actually cured anybody of anything? Bet she hasn't. Betcha, betcha. Bet she went straight to government. Anyway, so the National Library of Medicine, which is a really great source, which a lot of times tells the truth, has right here uh, in a document from, uh, it says uh, November 2020. So that's about a month before the, uh, the jab came out. And then it says published online uh, October 5th. So two months before the jab, they said hydroxychloroquine was effective. Well, if hydroxychloroquine is effective, you don't need the jab. So they actually contradicted themselves. Uh, this is why you've never heard of this article. Uh, I'd never heard of it until this morning when I looked it up. As I, I'm looking up hydroxychloroquine. Abstract. This is from National Library of Medicine, National Institute of Health, National Center for Biotechnology Information. This is, uh, it says uh, hydroxychloroquine. You can look it up. It says hydroxychloroquine is effective and consistently so when provided early for COVID-19. Uh, here's a systematic review. Abstract. And this is a prelude to our discussion with Marie uh, on uh, remdesivir. Again, if hydroxychloroquine is effective against COVID-19, why, why would you have a protocol for remdesivir? Unless you're trying to kill people and make money, which is what COVID is all about. Killing people, making money, and instituting government health care on everybody. 
uh, without, a, without a bill from Congress. Anyway, abstract. Hydroxychloroquine, HCQ, has shown efficacy against coronavirus disease 2019, COVID-19, in some but not all studies. That's because some of the studies were rigged. <laughs> the good studies showed it, uh, like Didier Raoult and uh, uh, the, the work done by Dr. Zelenko. The bad studies, the ones where they gave it to people in fatal doses, yeah, obviously they didn't show that it worked. Well, if you give any drug at a fatal dose, it's going to show that it doesn't work. Uh, anyway, or you give it so late that it's not effective at all, that's the other way they showed that it didn't work. So that's what the, that's what the, uh, the Lancet report in the New England Journal of Medicine, the people that were against hydroxychloroquine, that's what they were saying. Anyway, it says, we hypothesized. Let's see if I got my, where's my calendar? Uh, yeah, we're done, right? So anyway, Marie should join us any second, but until she does. Hydroxychloroquine, it says, we hypothesized. This is the National Institute for Health. These are your health Nazis, right? Says we hypothesize that a systematic review would show HCQ hydroxychloroquine to be effective against COVID-19, more effective when provided earlier, not associated with worsening disease and safe. We searched PubMed, Cochrane, MBase, Google Scholar, and Google for all the reports on HCQ as a treatment for COVID-19 patients. This included preprints and preliminary reports on larger COVID-19 studies. We examined the studies for efficacy, time of administration, and safety. HCQ was found to be consistently effective against COVID-19 when provided early in the outpatient setting. Well, that just goes against everything that Dr. Fascist said. So his own NIH, his own NIH is saying that uh, hydroxychloroquine, uh, and we me read that one again. This is Marie on the line. But this is a fascinating sentence. It says right here, it was also found to be overall, uh, you know, because we examined the studies for efficacy, time of administration, and safety. Hydroxychloroquine was found to be consistently effective against COVID-19 when provided early in the outpatient setting. There's more to it, but I got Marie here, so I'm going to get to that in a bit. Uh, the other one I want to do, go over really, really quickly is the World Health Organization. The WHO, as I call them, the WHO recommends against the use of remdesivir in COVID-19 patients. When? Same time, November 2020, a month before the jab. Okay? So all this stuff is out there. I mean, and the WHO is actually right in this, but of course they changed the view by April of 2022. This is on April 22nd, April 2022, you know, when Fauci was fully enforced, being the health Nazi uh, that he was. This is following publication of, a new, of new data from a clinical trial looking at the outcome of admission to hospitals. WHO now suggests the use of remdesivir in mild or moderate COVID-19 patients who are at high risk of hospitalization. Yes, <laughs> but the before, they didn't say that. They initially recommended against it. And here it is. is who has issued a, con- a conditional recommendation against the use of remdesivir in hospitalized patients, regardless of disease severity, as there is currently no evidence that remdesivir improves survival and other outcomes in these patients. That was the WHO, the World Health Organization, um, October, uh, where's, where's the date of this, this publication? No, it's uh, November 20th of 2020. I find that fascinating. There we go. Marie Clark, welcome back to Action Radio. What do you think? Thanks for having me, Greg. Wasn't that fascinating? I, I'd like to kind of just tag on to what you were just talking about. Oh, please tag. Um, please tag away. I have, and, and this is out of Dr. McCullough's uh, book and John Leake. Um, uh-huh. The Courage to Face uh, uh, COVID-19. And in it, he, he well, basically, he, you know, he lays out uh, the entire case um, in terms of how Fauci came about, you know, recommending it. But never... How much and, money did he and, make? <laughs> Just what I want to know. How much money did he make? That's the first question. Well, at the end of the day, that's what it is all about. Um uh-huh. 
well, that's that's one aspect of it. But anyway, um, McCullough goes on to say, nevertheless, at the April 28th White House press briefing. Okay, this is which this year? Is 2020. Okay. You know, 2020, Fauci announced the data shows that remdesivir has a clear-cut significant positive effect in diminishing the time to recovery. Hmm. And, um, yeah, he elaborated. That's what the NIH said. The, the, the National Institute <laughs> for Health know, is the opposite. I know, I know. It's contrary to everything. <laughs> it, it, right. Essentially, you know, the, the, the guy basically lied. And of course. So, and, then, and then what McCullough states is, Thus, we see how one man, Dr. Fauci, guided remdesivir, an experimental drug with a questionable history, doubtful efficacy, and grave safety concerns to become the standard of care in the U.S. and a bonanza for Gilead Sciences. Because mm-hmm. without remdesivir, you have no fear of, of uh, COVID. Instead, they create remdesivir it kills people, and therefore the demand for the vaccines skyrockets, and people line up in droves, terrified. And that brings me to my first point, because it's important to understand how this all came about that people reacted in this way. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the smith Munt Act originally passed in 1947. Okay, say it again. That allowed the United States to use propaganda, the voice of America, in basically kind of... Okay. No, the Smith... I want to make sure everybody gets the Smith... What was the X? Let me get back to your notes there. The Smith-Munt. M-U-N-D-T. Munt Act. And this was... This was originally passed in 1947. Okay, and the pur- and the purpose was to establish to establish communication with with the general population in all of the countries that we had just been at war with. Fast forward, the Smith the Patriot Act gets passed in you know after after nine eleven. Each year successively, the Patriot Act has had other things slipped in and Mm -hmm. and it's been reauthorized over and over and over to protect us. What (laughs) most people do not know that in 2012, the Smith Munt Modernization Act was passed. And for the first time in the history of this country, propaganda has been used and legally used against the American people. Okay, hold on. So we got, we got only, to, no, 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 we got to dissect this. I want you to research it. It's oh, no, only no, wanna, three pages ask, long. Yeah, I got to ask you some questions right now, though. This, sure. This is too big because that way we can make sure people understand, including me, because I've never heard of this. So Smith Munt, so 1947, so they wanted to propagandize Europe, I'm guessing. Correct. Uh, I, Correct. I know there was a denazification program, and that was big. So in That's other words, they tried to. Yep. All right, so let's, let's, let's talk about that for a minute. So they tried to erase any aspect of Nazism and anybody who was a Nazi. I mean, that's what the Nuremberg trials were all about, bringing war criminals to justice. And a lot of them were hung for it, uh, which is good. I mean, they, they were guilty. Um, so I don't have a problem with that. But uh, where does the propaganda aspect come into that? Well, it allowed the voice of America and various, um, you know, to, to be used, which hadn't been 
it hadn't been codified into law. You know, I mean, you know, this is this but is they were used before that, that. What was the Voice of America right. created? That was that was when, that was when probably after the the communists took over Russia. I'm sure. I'm guessing what 20s or 30s. Yeah, the Voice I, of have, America? I would have to look. I'm using that Voice of America as an example. Okay. Um, I'm just curious. And uh, it it was. I think if you look at. I mean, it's been a while since I've actually looked at at the um, at the law itself. Um, and it's only three pages long, which is why it got slipped into the. Oh, the, the worst laws are short. <laughs> you know, I mean, vaccine product they're liability. They're short. You know. They're slipped into the Patriot mm-hmm. Act, which mm-hmm. is thousands of pages long. Mm-hmm. You talk to most people do not know about the Smith Munt Act. First of all, from '47, and they, they surely do week. not know. <laughs> the, yeah, and they, they surely do, do not know about it. the Modernization Act. But yeah. that is what paved the way for all of the mainstream media to be lockstep with the same message. So it was done by, by law? Think, yes, it was slipped into the, into the Patriot But they can't do that. It, but even if oh, they yeah, did, the First well, Amendment still supersedes it. They hey, wait, did. Let me look this thing up. Hang on. This is, this is, this is too good. All right. Hang on. No, gonna, I'm just going to play around a little bit here. Uh, let me get another window. I'm trying to get because there's a phrase many. that they use for other purposes that they slipped but, in, and it completely oh yeah, so that's, that's, the yeah. Whole. that's like uh, Section 230 of uh, uh, the, the 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 consumer what is it protect I forgot what it is the Communications Decency Act Section 230 says the big tech yeah. can you know take anything out they want including anything they find quote otherwise objectionable which means anything which is basically anything and they, and this is exactly what they did with Smith Month yeah. And then it makes sense because now, now you're looking back and you're saying, wow, look at all, you know, when they do those funny little collages where everybody's using the same word, well, it's propaganda. It's, it's a, it's a message. It isn't by accident. Those things happen. They're all scripted and the scripting is so good that I can translate that back right back into the experiences that people who, whose loved ones have had remdesivir. And myself uh-huh. included, because I had a full five doses of remdesivir. I survived. Yeah, I keep forgetting that, but that's critical for us. As much as you want to talk about it, I mean, I don't want to put you, you know, have you relive this. Same thing with Rebecca. I don't like to have her relive stuff, except that it's well, only to get the story out. Well, hers is worse than mine, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I survived, but, and there are a lot of us who have, um, not without probably side effects, which we don't really know yet. Um Get on to Judy Mikovits, get your cardio miracle and some other products. So it's, uh, there, there are ways to uh, diminish all these things. You know, they, they have their antidotes. So that's what I would yes. go to her website, uh, therealdrjudy.com. Uh, and that's that'd be a place to start. You know, sure. She's a friend of the show. And, we have um, lots of friends of the show. Yeah. In fact, we have CJ's. Cause actually, you know, it's, if, you, if you listen to the show, uh, I mean, you can stick around for the next hour, but if you get a chance to listen to it sometime soon, uh, CJ, uh, that's her nutrition and wellness. And so uh, I'll ask her about remdesivir. And so that might be something to see what she, she has any knowledge. Or if you stick around for five minutes, you can ask her. And we can start the show with that, sure. you know, her hour. So, yeah, okay. we, we, we piggyback all the time. You should listen to yesterday's show with Wendy and uh, Rebecca. I uh, know. I missed it yesterday. I've, I've oh, had a well, it's podcast. Going on. You know, it's, it's I'll, still I'll, there. I'll, I'll, I'll rerun it. I told, I told oh, uh, Rebecca I was going to, you know, listen to it, you know. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, yeah. So, so getting, so that's kind of like the groundwork for all of this, as far uh-huh. as I'm concerned. Um, 
you know, and then and then when you go back to um, what they were able to accomplish, I think you've probably gone over, you know, the key points because basically they, you know, they altered the protocols in the middle of the study, mm-hmm. you know, and and you know basically they, you know, they lied. I mean, the the study was was created in order to fit their. There, which know, study uh, are we talking about? Because agenda. the studies that this they is, were doing, the, is, the 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 original study said uh, hydroxychloroquine is no big deal; it's fine. Right. I just read that study. But what, right, but what what happened was with with remdesivir, they decided mm-hmm. to change the endpoint, the trial's endpoint. Oh. So because it had failed, right? It failed to meet the original, um, you know, reduction of COVID-19 mortality. So because they didn't, it didn't meet the results, he shifted the endpoint, you know, to, to basically, um, you know, achieve a hospital, a shorter hospital stay. Hmm. So, so when you go into the middle of the study and you change the endpoint, mm-hmm. I mean, the study is basically worthless. Well, that was the whole point. So, so uh, tell me about remdesivir and tell me about Gilead. So what exactly is remdesivir and who exactly is Gilead? Two big questions. Well, remdesivir is the, remdesivir is the name, actually the brand name, actually the, um, um, that's the generic name, but the brand name is Declary, um, manufactured by Gilead. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, they started to they they ordered the production of Gilead uh, of uh, sorry remdesivir. Um, I think it was prior to it was I think it was in December of 2019. So it was prior to even the first case coming into the United States being identified. Hmm. How about that? Yeah, now, did they use that's, it with that's SARS-CoV-1? That's an interesting one? data point. Yeah. It's just was an interesting it, uh, data point. Well, wait a minute. Was it around for SARS-CoV-1? This, this, would be, this is Dr. Rick Bright. Okay. No, but what I'm, saying, what I'm asking is, you know, there's two, SAR, there's two COVIDs. There's COVID-2, the one that we have, uh, and then there's SARS-CoV-1 that was earlier. Right. This, is, this is two. This was two. So, but they didn't, they didn't have remdesivir for one. Strangely enough, no. I just find that interesting. Okay, no, they didn't, but they were working on it. I mean, if you huh. go back to if you go back to 2000, I think 2015, where they were they were wanting to use it um, with uh, the Zika virus, but unfortunately, the Zika virus disappeared as fast as it came, and they put mm-hmm. something like I don't know some ridiculous amount of money. I mean, they. They had invested $79 million with Gilead scientists for remdesivir. Um, and going, if, if, according, to, according to Bobby Kennedy's book, okay, um, I think it was, I'm trying to, let me just see my reference here. Uh-huh. He, was, he was talking about, um, he was talking about the Zika, the Zika. Yeah, here it is. In 2016, remdesivir demonstrated middling antiviral properties against Zika, but the disease disappeared before the expensive non-remedy got traction. After the <laughs> Zika threat vanished, NIAID 
uh, the National Institute Against uh, Infectious Disease, put some 6.9 million into yeah. identifying a new pandemic. Well, wait, wait, back up a second. They, they took how much money to, quote, identify a new pandemic? What does that mean? 6.9 million. So what happened was after that, they went to Ebola. And of course, remdesivir and this other drug called ZMAP failed miserably with a 54% mortality rate. But that's the one Fauci chose out of all the other drugs he could have had. And they chose remdesivir, which of he course could have had drugs that worked. <laughs> and this is right. the big controversy. But, but with, it, again, uh, without the drugs, yeah. you have no vaccine. Without the vaccine, you know, you're no, So just to let folks know what's going on, I got Pianca in the line, so I'll get to him in a second. So what they had to do, and here's here's how this all works. So the, we knew in the early days of COVID, you know, we're talking February, March, April of 2020, because that it shows on it. We had a cure. We had early treatment. Yep. We knew those early treatments worked. We knew there was no pandemic. I have a series of articles on it. We knew the Congress was briefed back in March of 2020 that everybody was going to be exposed to COVID. Uh, Peter McCullough now says 94 people of 4% of the population's already had it. We know that, uh, you know, that all of us uh, are now immune to it, you know, or most of us, but like the vast majority. So we knew in the beginning that there was no pandemic. So they had to create a pandemic. So the initial stuff was actually pretty good. When uh, Trump was dealing with Dr. Zelenko, the Zelenko Protocol, and uh, Dr. Didier Raoult in Marseille, France, with his great experiments. I mean, we knew. Everybody Correct. knew. They were writing stories about this. I've got several stories from That's several right. different sources from different countries around the world saying there is no pandemic. Relax. We've got the yeah. cure. We've got this. We've got the cure. It's not Enter. a problem. Right. Now, if you remember Event 201 in uh, either October or November of 2019, their whole big thing was to control the media. Now, I've always wondered why the World Economic Forum would have a conference on health, seeing as the Economic Forum deals with economics and health, something completely different. That should have been the who, but it wasn't. The World Economic Forum. But see, the great this is where Smith-Munt falls into place. Go ahead. Tell me. What was that? You just said that they want to control the media. This is where right. Smith, the Smith-Munt Modernization Act fell into place. So tell me how that works. Well, before they ever needed it. I mean, they really basically controlled the narrative. Mm-hmm. I so, mean, well, what's interesting, and this, this gave is, them a free pass. You know, it's interesting is that they always had the laws in place before they need them. Uh, they changed the lockdown guidelines in 2017. So Dr. Fascist announces a week before Trump takes office, or a week before, was it the inauguration? Yeah, it was, it was like January 9th or something like right. that. Right. He, he announces yeah. that there's going to be a pandemic in the Trump administration. So we already knew, right? That's not the key thing. The key is three months after Trump took office, April 21st. Uh, like, yeah, three months in a day after Trump takes office from January, February, March, April. Yeah. Uh, they changed the guidelines from the 2007 to the 2017 guidelines, which took away the pandemic severity index, which took away the, 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 the basic thrust of the 2007, which is to have the minimum impact on infrastructure and the economy uh, until necessary. And what they determined was necessary was category four or five, you know, up to 1.8 million or beyond 1.8 million people killed uh, as a result of the virus itself, not with it, but actually from it. Well, we never got even right. close to that ever. And then the new guidelines said, you can lock down immediately. We don't care. There is no standard for lockdown. You want to do it? Go for it. So they already knew they were going to lock down and they knew they had to lock down to preserve Sure, because they COVID. did the test run and they did the test run on, on lockdowns after mm-hmm. the Boston Marathon. They Tell had everybody shelter in place for four days. And what happened? So, huh? 
What happened? Oh, that was a bombing. That was the bombing. No, I know the bombing happened, but uh, but what was the shelter in place all about? Why was that a test? Oh, well, they were looking. They were looking for these guys. There were two of them that got away. Yeah, they ended up in a boat in somebody's backyard. I remember that. But uh, but what? Correct. But But they had people locked down in place for four days. And the Mm -hmm. other thing is, um, you know, um, Officer Sean Collier was killed. He was killed right in front of the building where my daughter was was sheltering in place. And uh, at the time that he was killed, yeah, in Boston. Sean Collier? Sean Collier was an officer, Boston police officer, okay, right. on duty, sitting in his car. And they came up from behind him and shot him in the head. This is the, the, the brothers that were the this terrorists? Is all part, this is all part of the, the, the shelter-in-place thing because this happened right after, um, you know, after the bombings. This was when they were trying to escape, and they didn't know where they went. So, you know, there so you was think a, that's a rehearsal for things. Was that a rehearsal? Uh, for well, to you come? know, I always said that Standing Rock back in 2016 was a test to see if the American people would ever stand up. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. She was we got a nation and, of cowards. Yeah. Right, well, there were people. Me. There were ten thousand people that showed up, but you know. No. Most people million? Off. If it doesn't affect you, then therefore, you know, why bother until, you know, it's too late, you know. Yep. Yeah. And um, we, um, that's, that's what we're facing right now, unfortunately, because a lot of people don't understand, or, nor do they uh, believe people because they haven't walked through the hospital doors since. COVID-19. And if they haven't gone through personally and experienced what's on the other side of those doors today, mm-hmm. they simply don't know. And they don't even believe their own family members. I'm not believed in my family. I mean, I'm considered, you know, well, you know, it was an aberration. I said, how can you consider an aberration when all these people have come forward, you know, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, there's a need to be right sometimes, and we rather than just being open-minded, I could be wrong about this, or I have new information. Wow, I think I'm changing my mind, kind of like the Biden laptop thing. Um, but that this is so ingrained in being right because you know there's there was that whole propaganda. You're going to kill grandma. Mm-hmm. I used to laugh at that. One. You know, you're going to kill grandma, you know, <laughs> so grandma. leave grandma isolated alone. The yeah. worst thing you can do to an older person uh-huh. is keep them isolated. And what oh, they yeah. did was give them free reign to do whatever they wanted with the elderly in nursing homes, which. They oh, no. Did. In fact, they did everything. I've, I've called it the preserving COVID thing. You know, they did everything to preserve COVID. You know, lockdowns, uh, canceling businesses, stress in families, all the assaults, the alcoholism, sure. the drug addiction, you know, the, 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 the child abuse, all the things that happened, the depression, you know, the anxiety, the psychotropics, you know, the, the shootings, everything that happened during, you know, the lockdowns was designed to put fear into people and to preserve the virus. Because if you wanted to get and rid of the virus, weaken, you, and to weaken, yeah, to weaken the and weaken immune system, yeah. So if you want to get rid of the virus, and I, f- I found an article on this confirming it, that the best thing would would have been to get COVID spread as quickly as possible, which it actually did. It spreads amazingly fast. Get everybody, get it, get over it, move on. I mean, I've still got the chart that says that COVID was over mid July um, of 2020. It uh, started in yeah. January, 
It peaked at April 15th, tax day, which is ironic, uh, and it was gone by mid-July. And that's, of course, when – now, mid-July is when the propaganda started, when the lockdown started, when the, uh, the mask mandates, when uh, everything – when the lie started. And they switched – I don't know if you have this in your report or not, but they switched from deaths to cases because they couldn't that's report correct. deaths anymore because there weren't any. <laughs> COVID was there over. There weren't any. And, and every gone. day you open the newspaper, even my local newspaper, I used to laugh. You know, and the state was reporting new cases, new cases, new cases. Yeah, so what? They never died. But we, they had, were fine. we had 2,000 people in, a, in, a, in, in, mm-hmm. um, in the state of New Hampshire. We had one point th- we have a 1.3 million population. It's something like 0.0001% that died, you know, who had COVID. And most of those people were either older or had complications, you know. Mm-hmm. The yeah, other thing is if you add the remdesivir treatment, I was able to get up because I was locked in a, because they kept me in a basement ER away Mm. from everybody. Mm. Um, I think that what happened was I had two things I could control, water and walking. I could get up and walk around in circles. So I would take off my oxygen, walk around, line up my cups, (laughs) fill up my cups (laughs) with water, and drink, because lots of times they forgot to, quote, forgot to feed me. Quote, um, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, let's get you know, your experience so, in the hospital, then uh, get Pianchi in the conversation. He's part, I think he's just listening right now. But uh, what I want to do is let's, let's really document how you ended up in the hospital in the first place, uh, family support, where they're like, oh, Marie, you need to go to the hospital. Uh, other options you considered, uh, how much you knew about hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, you know, zinc at the time. I'm just curious. So, so kind of walk us through. How you end up in the hospital in the first place? Well, I had a November wellness um, uh, appointment for Medicare. It's a yearly thing. It's like a quick check. 2020? Right. What year? year And this was, this would have been 20, wait a minute, 2021. Okay. So the job's Um, already been out for almost a year. Correct. I hadn't been, you know, vaccinated or anything, but. Good. I didn't know anything about remdesivir. Um, hmm. I went to the, they, they wouldn't change my appointment. And I, I said, well, you know, November, this is cold season. This is when everybody's getting the flu, not a good time to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, it's going to be 18 months before you can get another appointment. Oh, I give me thought, a break. Well, That's insane. Okay. Well, That's see, I have true. a doctor who only comes in once a, once a, once a week. She has oh. children at home. So she only and she's she, the only she doctor you can see? That doesn't make sense. No, but this was this is the doctor who took Medicare, okay? Oh, you know, it, well, that's, that's another restriction. You know, right. yeah, there are only so yeah. many doctors who will take Medicare. Hmm. And so I liked her because she was straightforward. She was open and everything else. Mm-hmm. Well, I go in there for the appointment. She walks in. She's completely donned. I mean, there was the only thing that I could see were her eyeballs, literally. That's she it. looked like a Muslim? She had masks. She had Muslim shields. Woman? She had, uh, yeah. She had <laughs> monkey gear. I mean, gear? there What's wasn't that? a part of her that wasn't covered except for her eyeballs, and that had a shield in front of her. Oh my and God. I looked at her, and I said, What are you, radiation? Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> and she and she said, "Well, you know, we are have we have an outbreak of COVID." I looked at her and I thought, "Oh, crap. You mean to tell me, pardon me, 
You mean to mm-hmm. tell me you brought me in here and mm-hmm. when you have an outbreak of COVID and I am a high risk person and you know this? Mm. And I so you know, I was months. in and out of there. <laughs> you should have waited the eighteen Washing months. my hands when I got home. Yeah. And then and then oh and then it was that was on that was on a Monday. The following uh-huh. Monday, a week later. No, that was on a Wednesday. The following uh-huh. Monday, just before Thanksgiving, I wake up, I have laryngitis. I right. mean, I literally can't hardly. Gee, I wonder where you got that. Hmm. Where could you have possibly Tuesday, gotten that? Yeah. Hmm. Let by me think Tuesday, about this now. Okay. By Tuesday, I'm starting to cough. Right. I cancel my I cancel Thanksgiving with uh, one of my kids. By Sunday, I'm really sick. I know right. I'm really sick. And a friend drops by outside my door, a COVID, you know, one of the COVID tests. So I take it. Yeah, it's positive. All right. Now that's well, they, like they can be positive. Week. They've had ham sandwiches test positive for COVID because they they, right. they they cycle them so right. many times. And I knew that. I mean, they're, I'm they're like, useless, okay, yeah. sure, fine. Yeah. I know I right. have pneumonia because I have had it twice before. Oh, interesting. And how do you know so pneumonia? What, uh, what you what gives you the idea? How do you know you have pneumonia? It's just like? because I had no, everything was in my chest. Okay. And I've had pneumonia before where I'm not, you know, like people complain about achy joints, this, that, or the other thing, all these other, high fever. <laughs> I had mm-hmm. none of that. The mm. only thing I had was the cough and, and I could, and my lungs were, you know, it was clear, you know, I was blowing my nose. I had the sniffles. That's it. I mean, I didn't even have the one. sniffles now that I think about it. It was just the cough. Well, that's what I had. And it was not a productive cough. No, nothing. Ha- you know, yeah, yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, another, for those who don't know, that's like nothing's coming up to get it out of your system. Nothing's uh, coming up. I, yeah, you I cough had exactly. And you cough. Yeah, I had exactly the same thing. In fact, Pianchi will confirm it because he was there listening to me. But in, in January, early January of 2020, I had about uh, two weeks of shows where I could not stop coughing. And I was asking for guest hosts, and uh, there were only two-hour shows back then, so it was a little easier as far as that goes. I couldn't sleep lying down. I had to sleep sitting up. Uh, it's the cough that yeah. wouldn't go away. Now, I didn't feel that bad. Yeah. I still worked for most of it. This was over two weeks. I, I worked most of it. And I said to the boss, you know what? i got to get this out of my system. I'm taking two days off. No, you can't. We need you here. Yeah, right. Screw you. I'm taking two days off. Fire me if you want to. I'm going to be back in, in you know, three days. Uh, and so I, I basically slept for two days, and I was fine. Didn't lose taste and smell. Uh, didn't lose some other things, but basically it was this cough. So this is definitely a respiratory yeah. illness. Uh, and this is how it affects people. Right. And my so, sat rate went, my sat rate dropped to 88. And I thought to myself, I called my doc, my daughter and I said, listen, uh, well, first of all, I, I talked to the doctor after I tested positive on that Sunday. She called mm-hmm. me right back. And mm-hmm. she said, well, she said, she said, I should send you in for monoclonal antibodies. And I said, well, I said, what are the odds? And she said, well, you're at the end, you're at the end of the, you know, the time frame. You'll be at day nine as a, and out of 10. I said, so what are the chances that monoclonal antibodies are going to work? She said, 50% yeah. you'll get better, 50% you'll get worse. And I'm thinking, if I get worse, what? I'm going to be dead. So I, so I said, I, said, I think I'm going to pass. <laughs> I said, I'm going to pass on the monoclonal antibodies because with, yeah. I'm older, nine chances out of 10, I'm going to be get worse. So anyway, I, my sat rate went down on, on uh, Thursday morning. I was supposed to have an appointment with, uh, you know, a holistic doctor on the phone. 
and I just never got that far. I ended up having, she, t- she told my daughter to call the ambulance. I did, went to the hospital, rolled me down the hall. Um, soon as I got in there, they started putting stuff in. I asked what it was. They, I was so sick. And they said, well, remdesivir. And, you know, he said, since you're not vaccinated, you probably aren't going to like this. And I didn't even ask why. I didn't, had never Did heard of Did they want to vaccinate you at that point? Did they try to vaccinate no. you at that point? Oh, okay. No, no. Well, they already had you in the um, hospital, so, you know. They already had me in the hospital. So right. so I was on the regimen. And and basically what they did, I think what they did was they they expected me just to pop off. I mean, they left me In other me words, die? Let's, let's be blunt here yes. for those oh, of us yeah. in foreign countries. Okay. Yeah, they right. basically, yeah, they basically, I, I was never, I never got a washcloth or a bar of soap. I oh. had to beg for a pillow. Isn't that and special? I was sitting in one of those hard recliners you sit in when you have your blood drawn. Mm, That's what okay. I had for a bed for five oh. and a half days. Oh, jeez. Um, I, I don't know if this is relevant, but I'm just curious age, or you want to give me a range? I'm just trying to figure when you say sure, older. Sure, so the five. Okay. Yeah. This, okay. So my, you sound my, fabulous, my so thought was they, right. they just figured gray hair, right. eh, close the door, you know, remdesivir will do the rest. Well, uh, like I said, I had two choices. I thought to myself, what, what the key for me, what turned me around wasn't the fact that I was getting remdesivir, was that the first morning after my first night there, the male nurse came in, he was giving me my stuff, and he said, wow, he said, you look good. I looked at him. I said, "Really? I mean, I've just been up all what night long." What were you expecting? <laughs> I don't know what you were expecting. And he said to me, "He said, well, usually he said people your age, he said, have a full face mask on by the second day, and a third or fourth day they're intubated." And he said it so casually, it scared the hell. And then I realized right then and there, the first thing that went through my mind is, "Oh my God, they've got this all scripted out." Yeah. They yeah, don't even he knows. know who I am, did but you they ask him already what know what they're going to do. Did you ask him what happened after the ventilator? Or did you, well, did, did you I, I just no let after? him know. I was okay. in such shock, I will tell you. I, I, all I could think of was, how the hell do I get out of this place? Mm-hmm. You know? And, um, I mean, you didn't see anybody. And then this guy shows up, supposedly the doctor, he stands outside the room in this little slit and he hands and they, and the nurse hands you a phone and you talk to the doctor through that. Right. Um, oh, cause you're so contagious. Now, wait a minute. These, these people have dealt with flu. They dealt with, with contagious diseases. Okay, they have kids with right. measles. They have chicken pox. They have all this stuff walked through. Yeah, and all of a sudden COVID, then, they start and panicking. And then the, the, the little dietitian need comes in with your tray. Right. I know. Of, <laughs> and of rations. And the tray real fast and fast and leaves. It's so oh, bizarre. I, I have to interrupt just for a second because we have a thunderstorm going overhead and because this is Florida. And so if the signal cuts uh, for any reason, just give me a couple of minutes to restart the show and you can just call back in. Um, but sure. uh, hopefully this will pass overhead. But uh, yeah, that well, happens. Here. We, have, we don't have the best power system in the world. So yeah. Anyway, but let's go back to this. Uh, so where was your family at this point? Uh, I, I don't know which family you had, but My, uh, where were actually, your advocates? I have, well, what was really funny is that uh-huh. the month before... Um, I had talked, I have three daughters and a son, and my one daughter is a microbiologist. Oh, and I said, that's interesting. Kids, I said, I need to get this settled about what's going to happen if I get sick and I can't, you know, 
you guys have to make a decision. I said, I need to meet you up here. Well, the only one who showed up was my my one daughter, the microbiologist, and said, Mom, let's get this done. We're never going to get everybody together. They aren't going to do it. So I thought to myself, yeah, you know what, I'm not going to wait around. I've, I've been asking for a year. You know, everybody's busy. You know, everybody's got an excuse. They're always busy. Things can't get done, right? Mm-hmm. They're always nope. busy. I, so, I know that. So she came up, and we had this long discussion about intubation and under what hmm. circumstances and the, the risk versus the benefit. And I said to her at the end, I said, I'm relying on your science. And I said, I need to know that you're going to stand by what I tell you because your sisters and your brother are, may fight you on this. They may say, you know, and, and, and so she took over as the advocate. And so she was talking, you know, to the, them on the outside. Now, for the first two days, my phone wasn't working. That's a long story, but in any case, it, <laughs> I had that? problems with my phone. No and, contact with the outside and then world. Finally, this is classic. Yeah, finally, I just, yeah. I just yeah. by happenstance one night, I was so frustrated, I hit the Wi-Fi button, mm-hmm. and up popped guest on the hospital. They never told me that. What's so that? I started to email, you know, the family then. So, so that was good. I mean, I at least had, you know, I at What's least guest? had some kind of. Is that a, is that a hospital service? In other words, you're, it, it was an open line to use it oh. outside the hospital's Wi-Fi. So if you're there and you're waiting, you know, and like in the ER, uh, you can communicate via text message. So well, otherwise, so you have no Wi-Fi. You have no contact with the outside world. Correct. Isn't that special? Up until then. They, they never, yeah, they never bothered. They didn't offer anything. They didn't yeah, they tell you anything. Die. Uh, everything they, you that's said about, exactly uh, it. Yeah, yeah, okay. And when the, after, after like the second day, I realized, you know what, they have me in here because cause then all of a sudden, the first night I heard somebody next door, after that it was like total silence. By the fifth day, Okay, they had moved me across from the nurse's station. And I thought, wow, it's so dark down here. It's really weird. And I didn't pay a lot of attention, but on that fifth day, they didn't come to take my tray in the morning. So at 10 o'clock, I rang the bell, and there was no answer. By 2 o'clock, the bell is still going off. Nobody's come in. I finally thought, forget this. I got up. I thought to myself, I don't care if they think I'm infected. I'm going to open the door and find out what's going on out here. And mm-hmm. I opened the door and I looked down the hall on e- either direction, and it's all dark. There's no carts outside doors or anything, like I'm the only person there. And so finally, I'm looking around. I don't see any nurses. So finally, I yell, anybody here? Anybody here? I'm yelling and nothing. So finally, you know, I've always wanted to do this, yell help. I've never done it in my entire <laughs> life. I take the biggest, deepest breath, and I scream, help, help. And you know, this young male nurse pops his head from behind a computer screen, not 15 feet away from me, and says, anything I can do? I looked mm-hmm. at him. I thought I was going to jump over the counter and just, just strangle him. I said, well, for starters, I said, are you deaf? I said, 
Don't you see that light blinking? Can't you hear that bell ringing? I mean, it's literally like 15 feet from this guy. Mm-hmm. And it's been going mm-hmm. for four hours. And he said, sure. And he turns it off. I walk back in and I thought, well, I've missed lunch and I bet I'm going to miss dinner now because they're going to retaliate. Oh, sure enough, no dinner comes, no menu, no nothing. Right. But I have a visitor. And he, this guy walks in, white coat, says ICC on it. I've since learned it stands for Intensive Care Consortium. Um, and he looks at me and he said, you don't look so good. And I'm thinking, well, no kidding. How would you look if you were sleeping in a chair for five days? It's hard right. as a rock. With no food, <laughs> no water. No, hardly any food. Well, I had water. I drank tons of water. Right. And, and, and he said to me, we'd like to help you breathe better. I said, really, how do you propose to do that? And now I'm down to, from six liters of oxygen, I'm all the way down to two. So all how right. does that oxygen thing work? Because when you say saturation, like I, I didn't, you know, when I, uh, all the COVID I had, and the fact I couldn't cough, I never thought for a second that I couldn't breathe. I mean, my breathing was fine. Um, so I don't even, right. you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know saturation from anything. Well, the saturation would... rate measures the oxygen in your, oxygen in your blood flow. Okay. okay. Um, and so, how would I know if it was lower? And it, and it really makes a difference in terms of well, it, you wouldn't unless you measure it. I I wouldn't have, except oh. a friend of mine had gone out and gotten an oximeter. Hmm. And you know if and they you that that was one of the measurements for the hospitals. You know, you go below ninety, you know, you don't get certain treatments. Hmm. And that's why some couples where you know, the wife was 90 and the husband was 89. The wife lived, the husband died. The wife Cause got it was a under, cause it, well, I Actually, I know a personal situation like that. Uh, friends of mine, this is exactly what happened. They both went to the hospital. One lived, the other died. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can tell you there's a, there are a lot of those across the country. But anyway, well, is, uh, yeah. So yeah, that's how the, that the movement that's coming. You so know. this guy okay. walks in and you know, mm-hmm. so he walked in, and I looked at him, and he said, we'd like to put a tube down your throat. I said, not on your life. Absolutely yeah. not. I said, and another thing. I said, you turn around. You get out of this room. I never want to see you again. And you tell all of your cohorts out there, they will. They are never to touch me with a tube. Well. That was it. I madly text my daughter. She's she's out on she's out on a date having dinner somewhere. So I text the guy she's with, and he says, "You better call your mother right. You better text your mother or email her right away." And she was up here at she was up in my apartment at like five o'clock in the morning, and she was all over the the doctor and the nurses. You know what? She wanted a treatment plan. She wanted to know. She wanted to talk with me directly. She was tired of emailing and text. She wanted to know that she was okay. Otherwise, she was going to come down there. Well, she just laid them out in lavender. The next thing I know, all of a sudden at 12 noon, marinated beef tips show up for lunch. Oh, my. Yeah. How, how, oh, and that's by two o'clock, By 2 o'clock, all of a sudden, I go upstairs and am wheeled into a room. Amazing what can happen, right? And, well, you um, know what it is. 
uh, it's like the family members are isolated. I actually cried when I saw the sunlight. I mean, oh wow! You because know, I really thought anything, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I really thought I might that that might be my coffin. <laughs> I really thought I might. At, by the time the fifth day rolled around, you know, right. I was so exhausted that. Um, you know, so this was the this was actually the sixth day that I got into a that I got into a room, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I just couldn't believe that they were treating people the way they were. There was no hygiene, no no you never never were washed the whole time you were there. Never saw a washcloth. Never saw you know. Nothing. Yeah, it was a dying room. These these were dying rooms. It was that's a what dying they were. room. That's, yeah, that's yeah. all it was. And then they came in. And I had young nurses come in during the day and start asking me why I wasn't vaccinated. I said, well, first of all, <laughs> I, used, I used to take it as an opportunity to teach them mm-hmm. because when they would ask me that, I would ask them if they ever heard of the Nuremberg trials. And they hadn't. And I explained to them the history of, of experimental drug use. And they walked out of there very quiet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> something to think about. Something to think about. Well, because they anyway. all had had the jab, so they were, uh, um, you know, that, now they have. Everybody's got the ticking time bomb in their system, and they don't want to deal with it. There's like millions of people walking around in denial. It's not going to happen to me. It's only going to happen to other people. I'll be fine. And they're wrong, oh, yeah. and it's it's really scary. Right. But what's interesting is that because you had a family member, they treated you differently. So in other words, if the isolation works, if they can scare the family to stay away because of how contagious you are and they're all wearing the, that monkey suit. And that was about. everybody except for, you know, I mean, my other kids were saying, well, you know, mom is, you know, she's up in her 70s. You well, know, so my other daughter was serious. Right. I'm 63. I'm looking at and another. I want, to, I want to do action radio for another 30 years. I want to, make, I want to be doing this at 90. Right. Then, I, then I'm going to go live right. on a cruise ship I mean, and tour the world. You know, I got things to do. You know, in fact, uh, well, that's how I feel. I have things to do, and especially yeah, after this, I'm not done yet. I walked out. I walked out, and I said, "Well, I know what my last career in my life is going to be. You know, yeah. I'm going to yeah. do everything I can to make sure that my grandchildren live in a decent world. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah. get rid of these but, people. But the isolation is, in other words, they 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 would kill people whose family abandoned them. Because then there's no objection. They can do what they want to you. There's nobody there. Well, and the family behalf. didn't abandon them. The family's trying to get on. Most of the people that I've interviewed, I've interviewed probably 60 families at least. And every time I talk with them, it's the same thing. They've tried to communicate, but they get the runaround from the hospital. Sometimes they, they'll go two or three days. They'll call and they'll call and they'll call. Nobody calls mm-hmm. them back. Right. You know? well, and don't they're care. kept. They keep them away. They said you can't come in, and they have they have armed guards. They're they're people that report security guards up in up in uh, Washington State in one of the hospitals. They had they pulled out the National Guard surrounding a hospital, a major hospital. I mean, we don't hear about this stuff. They don't report this stuff. They don't want you to know about any of it. But that's happening all over this country. So how did you get out of the hospital? And then I want to find out how other people well, what out. happened was, so I, I went up on a Tuesday finally to, to uh, the, what they called the COVID ward. And uh, basically they converted, the, they converted the endoscopy unit into a COVID ward. And um, so they were, they were pretty nice rooms from that, 
after having gone through what I went through. Um, but on third, the doctor kept pushing for a BiPAP. He said, you need to have a BiPAP. And now I'm down to one What's liter that? of oxygen. What's a BiPAP? BiPAP machine. It's a high airflow oxygen machine. It pushes air into your lungs. Now, like a ventilator. It's a ventilator. It's it's a yes. It's kind of like the it's it's the it's the one step before the ventilator because what what it does is it damages the lungs. It does damage the lungs. I mean, it helps for a period of time, but if right. you're sick already, then it can it can well what they call blow out your lungs. I mean, it's what the ventilators. Well, that's what the done. ventilators do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and and people have died on the BiPAP, but um, mm. but I. I decided because I was there, it was playoffs, I was watching football, and I convinced them that I, was, I would do it, I would, I would do it for a short period of time, but it had to be, you know, after the playoff games were over, which I knew that the nurse on the night shift was a good guy, and I wasn't as worried about him as I was about the day nurses. So the night nurses were always much better, and so... They the hospital administrators were gone, so they could actually practice medicine. Oh yeah, so the RT hmm. guys, you know, respiratory therapists, they roll in the machine and all this other stuff. And I put this thing on around I don't know eleven o'clock at night, something like that. Uh huh. I'm thinking to myself, they've got to be kidding. It blows my cheeks out. The air, be, the air is being pushed so hard. I look like a chipmunk. It's so so they try and refit it. Was it, it on tighter, high? You know. Was it set on high? And I don't know what it was set on, but all uh-huh. I know is that I I did this for like 10, 10 maybe 13 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I just, they all had gone. I thought, screw this. I got the whole <laughs> thing off. <laughs> well, see, but the, the difference I, is you had the courage. And I, said, to, and I called them and yeah. I said, no. And I made them, I made the respiratory therapist take the whole machine out. I said, I don't even want this machine in this room. I said, I want it removed from my room. Now, this is like midnight. So this young guy comes up and he takes it out. But I have since learned, I have since learned that now I was supposed to go home on Sunday. So they pull this BiPAP thing on Thursday. I have, after interviewing all the people I've interviewed, it is very common it's like a script people say they're getting they're being told that oh your you know your family members getting better they should be home in a couple of days they're all relaxed they're all feeling better mm-hmm. they put them on a bipap machine and the next thing you know they're intubated the next day because so the bipap is like uh, the damaging of it's the lungs like it's, it, yes, it's it a thing. It kills your lungs. So you, yeah. Gives them an excuse, them an excuse to put the to put the. That's one of the excuses. I mean, now they've gotten really good at it. Apparently, because now you go in there, uh-huh. and if you go directly into a hospital room, right. they start giving you drugs, and they have the they have the lines set up so that they run across the ceiling. And in, drop down into your arms. So oh, this is like the, like the Holocaust, outside. like like the gas chamber. You don't chambers. even know what's yeah. going in there. Yeah, nor never got the gas, Yeah, yeah. This is this is this is an Auschwitz gas chamber uh, in a hospital, yeah. guys. 
It's the it same thing. It is a modern. It is the modern day version. Yeah. 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 Now that's yeah. not true in all hospitals. But boy, when I started to hear that, I thought, oh, okay. So families now can't see what the label, what's on, what's in that bag. They have to ask, you know, what that medicine is that's going in there. Now mm-hmm. they don't even see it because it's being administered from the outside. You know, they cover it up. Well, it's so like an execution chamber. You know, the, the three uh, three chemicals they, they inject into uh, uh, prisoners when they're being executed. I had, I had Same thing. Two, I had uh, two daughters who went in right. to see their mother. They said that they were going to, you know, the, she was going to go on comfort care. So they figured, well, they're going to, you know, take you know, she won't be in pain. You know, she'll be more comfortable. She, they're, they're just thinking she's going to be more comfortable. They go in there, and her mom is only 59 years old, okay? And she's got, you know, a face mask. She's got an airflow, high airflow mask on, and she's like, she's, she's shaking her head, no, no, no. And they've got her restrained, in the, and so the daughters come in to visit. Okay, and the nurse comes in and she says, well, I'm glad you were here to, you know, um, um, to visit your mother. And she starts taking out and she starts administering all these all these drugs into mom's thing. Mom's going, no, no, no. The daughters are looking at the gal and she said, I they said, well, I thought this was, you know, comfort care to relieve pain and. And the gal said, yeah, she said, this will do it. And then all of a sudden she says, she she puts like the 14th, I mean, one of them was counting, they thought it was the 14th um, injection into the, you know, into the line. And mm-hmm. she said, that'll do it. And she walked out and within an hour and a half, their mother was dead. That'll do it. So they knew. And what she they knew. realized, yeah. what they said was, we act, they actually scheduled our mother's execution for us to see. Wow. Let that sink in. Well, what I want to do is have you back to talk about everybody else's story. I really want to cover your story today, um, but then we can come back and start talking. I need you on a regular basis. People need to hear these stories because they are so similar. And I didn't quite draw the, uh, the analogy of how close this was to an Ashworth gas chamber until just now, but it, it is the same thing. The doctors were the administrators, you know, it's, it's the, there's no difference. I mean, Dr. Fascist is every bit Dr. Mengele and uh, Joseph Goebbels, the propaganda minister. Yeah. You know, he's every bit as bad. You're talking about yeah. leading, you know, leading the sheep to slaughter is really what yeah. you're doing. So and and, and all based on people, this is, this is the saddest part mm-hmm. because people have had such great faith, faith in the American medical system. It's been destroyed. It's being destroyed. But, but here's what's interesting, you know? though, and, and when it was being destroyed, because I went, and I'm really skeptical. I mean, I, they, I had a doctor, uh, they sent me, I had a, a heart murmur, and so I went to the EEG or EKG, one of those things, and they said, the nurse was like, oh, my God, are you okay? I said, I'm fine. What's, 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 what's wrong? Here I am actively working tours and working 14-hour days and running up and down stairs right. and everything like that. She said, I can't, uh, do, do you ever get faint when you, when you stand up? No. Do, do, can you climb stairs? Yeah, like multiple staircases up, you know, Fort Point, which is like three sets of stairs in this huge, you know, granite and brick fort from the 1800s on my tour. I said, I'm fine. What, what are you talking about? Oh, your heart, is, you're, you've got 50% uh, regurgitation. 
I said, what does that mean? She says, only 50% of your blood is going through and your heart pumps. The rest is going backwards. So apparently I was really in bad shape. I didn't even know it, right? So this is, this is, December, this is like uh, May 2016. And so I'm thinking, oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Let me get another opinion. Go to cardiologist. Yep, same thing. Read the charts the whole bit. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, what do you recommend? Well, it's, you know, <laughs> what they recommended was, was mitral valve uh, surgery because apparently my heart valve was too big and it wasn't closing properly. I'm like, oh. How long have I had that? Well, how long have you had a heart murmur? Well, I don't know, since I was 18. Hmm, long time then. <laughs> so anyway, this is getting progressively worse over the years. So they said they recommended surgery. And I said, great, let me get a few more opinions. I got, I got five in total, including Stanford Med, top cardiologists. I mean, I went to everybody. I said, okay, I want to make sure that this is what you're recommending. You all believe that this is the right thing to do. So I had faith in the system as long as the system, you know, met my expectations of, of giving me what I thought was right. a true and correct answer. And it did. So I said, okay, and I've never consented to surgery like this before. This is probably the most invasive thing I'm ever going to have happen, at least I hope. Um, but I said, okay, uh, this seems to make sense. Let's go for it. And they said, yeah, you got a one in five chance of dying in the next five years, which would have been two years ago. And that's, those are pretty bad odds. And so I think, okay. And the biggest problem is myocarditis, swelling of the heart and the heart quitting. Right. And I said, well, I got, I got action radio. I got things I need to do, right? They haven't even started action radio yet, right? So, uh, but the weird part was I was on a ventilator. Because when they do the heart surgery, they literally stop your heart, stop your lungs, so they can do the surgery. Right. And they went the side, open up the ribs, and go through. It's really invasive stuff. Another doctor goes up your femoral artery, so they got you at both ends, right? Um, but the thing was, I remember they, the ventilator, and here's what I'm, the reason I'm telling the story, is that the ventilator people I see, they're all on their stomachs. With me, I woke up on my back, and I had tubes down my throat, the very ventilator tubes you're talking about, and, I, and I'm still semi-conscious. I'm groggy. I'm, I'm, I'm just, just waking up from this massive, you know, being put out. And I start to grab the tubes. I said, no, you can't do that. And they're like, I can't even talk yet. And I'm motioning. I'm pointing. I'm pointing at the tubes, and I'm pointing out. And I'm like, get them out of my throat right now, or I'm going to yank them out. They said, you're, you know, you have to be breathing on your own. And I'm like mumbling. I'm breathing on my own with a bunch of tubes down my throat. So I said, oh, okay, I guess we can take them out. I don't know how long they're going to leave them in there. But I have the worst gag reflex in the world, so I'm already starting to gag on these things. So they finally took them out, and it felt like my, my whole lungs were coming with them. That's an experience I don't want to repeat. But the thing was, I was on a ventilator, okay? Uh, this is before COVID. So my question is, what happened between 2016 when I went through open-heart surgery, repaired a mitral valve, good recovery, everything was fine until they gave me blood thinners. That's, I'll, I'll save you that story. But um, it went fine. They actually took the tubes out, didn't try and put them back in, you know, and I woke up and did the normal stuff. I was actually walking that day. And I think that was like, I was one of very few because uh, I'm me. <laughs> I don't care. But the point was medicine was normal. I mean, they, they, the job, the, their, yeah. their goal was to save me, you know, and have me live a, a much nicer, longer life uh, than would have if I hadn't done anything before. about it. So, so and this is 2016. So what, so what, what happened? What happened? When did was, it happen? Yeah. The Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services is incentivized death via the CARES and so That's what we need to talk about for at least an hour. So CMS, so the CARES Act. And when was the CARES Act passed? <sighs> you know, you got. I'll me. find out. It's, Don't worry about it. I'll look it, it up. It was Obama's. It was Obama's. But but ah. it, it opened the door again. It opened a doorway, just like Smith Munt. It opened a doorway for them to, to, to slide through. But when you talk about, when you talk about the incentivization, this is when everything, this is when, when the, the hospital system got turned on its ear. Okay. Um, so I got, I got lucky. Basically. Now I went from being safe going to the hospital, right. Being just 
a ticket to solving their problems. So I remember Obama, he was talking about in one of his uh, press conferences or things like that. I think the Obama angle we need to explore. I need you back a bunch of times. But the Obama angle, when he said, you know, rather than have, you know, heroic surgery or something like that, maybe just get a pain pill. I mean, his whole thing, especially for the elderly, was your throwaway. We don't need you. Why should we spend all the money on the elderly? You know, well, for, elderly, for who, who is it? Handicapped, who is it mentally disabled. Yeah. Nazi. Um, In other words, he's a Nazi. I mean, he's, he's practicing basic yeah. Nazi. Let's get rid you're, of the, you've uh, got the, the undesirable. You've got the same playbook. You have okay. the same playbook. And here's the thing. You okay. even if you go back to Nazi Germany and you look mm-hmm. at the Jews who stayed, they all the way back into the late 30s, they said, never would my neighbors ever turn me in. <laughs> they would never what? do anything like that. They would never harm me. Now, the other others left for America, and they, sur- they survived. They're, they brought their families before the war ever started, yep. and they came they knew. But those who stayed, you know. Again, and it was just like the it was just like the German people. Well, I didn't know. No one told me. So you, here you are telling people that this is going on, but they're not going to believe that. Oh, I've been telling I mean, people since. I mean, if I have uh, family members who really are having a hard time believing it, trust me. I, yeah, March second. And this is true I, with a lot of broadcasting. People. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the Obama connection, I think I have to explore. It seems like there's more to that. So uh, yeah. how does he fit into this from, you know, because his whole now, of course, the next question is, is Obamacare designed to kill people um, designed to to save the productive tax paying you well, know, people? And then once, once you get over. Yeah, yeah, it basically establishes a death panel of the, the way you look at it. Well, because that's a they start talking. If you if you look at one Obama's health advisor, I can't his name is Emmanuel. I can't remember what his oh, name Emmanuel? is. Huh? Obama Emanuel, Mr. Don't Emmanuel. let it. A... No, 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 oh, not him. No, brother? there was a governor, another guy. I can't remember what his name is. But he anyway, had a maybe that was his brother. Um, yeah. I don't. I'm not sure. Uh, we'll but in any case, I do know he was mm-hmm. he was uh, very well prepared to give minimal care to those 50 and over. You know, and you look at the Medicare system. I mean, I'm. This really scares me. I mean, I used to be a Medicare for all person. I will hmm. tell you, I say Medicare for none at this point in time because it's very frightening. I went in and in my last visit to this, because I just wanted to see what this doctor was going to say after mm-hmm. I had gone through all this. Mm-hmm. She said nothing about my hospital stay. She goes into her whole litany about all the vaccines. And I, I looked at her and I said, well, obviously I haven't changed my mind after what I went through in the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to the vaccines. And she looked at me and she said, well, she said, since you, you're so healthy, she said, we'll just manage your medication because um, I'm on a lifetime medication. We'll manage your medication by phone and you don't need to come in next year what? since you're so healthy. Yeah. Oh, that's a good thing, I guess, or not. I'm not sure. What do you think? Uh, well, I think that's what we call soft credit, social credit scoring. That's what I think it is. Oh, so in other words, you're, you're a troublemaker. This is the <laughs> so introduction. Yeah, you're a troublemaker. We're going to let you know that services are not going to be available to you. 
we're going to see whether or not. So, of course, I went out and made another appointment just for the hell of it, right? Right. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought to myself, that is frightening. That's frightening to have a doctor tell someone who's 76 years old that they don't need to come in for a yearly checkup. Yeah, that's that seems a little bizarre to me. Yeah. And that was based on my my saying no to the vaccines. So have you ever had a flu shot? Just out of curiosity, doing? they're going to yeah. start. Are they going to yeah. start this so this soft rollout of social credit scoring by saying to people, "Well, you don't need to come in next year." Well, yeah, I mean, it makes it makes perfect sense. I've said for a long time that the, the one of the purposes of the COVID mandates was to institute without legislation a national health care system, a top down government health mm-hmm. system. And that's exactly what they're doing. I need to explore CMS more, uh, the, the Center for Medicaid Services, uh, the CARES Act. I mean, and we, need, and we need to explore Obama and his death panels. That's what Sarah Palin warned us about. And she said very clearly that uh, these people are going to, and that was the big fear back then, that, uh, that all of your health decisions were going to be made by some panel or some group of doctors who were going to decide whether your life was worth living or not, whether you got the pacemaker at 102 while you're still living, you know, while you're still living. And of course, the obvious answer is, well, yeah, you're still well, living, and it can help you, you get 50, it. 50, you're worthless. <laughs> oh, please. Most I mean, of the best, you know, is, uh, Trump just scary. had a big article. Trump just had a big, uh, he was doing a big thing on, on the fact that some of his friends were in their 80s before they ever made any money. And they're really having a great time in their 90s. You know, they struggled the well, whole life. Well, you know, it's and, interesting because now we, we, I haven't talked and we meant to talk about the presentation that we made to Trump's team. Oh, yeah. Tell me um, about that. What, got more, because CJ is supposed to call him, but she's not here yet. So let's, let's keep talking. Okay. Well, we, there is a, just a small group of us who are kind of like-minded and put together put together this one woman actually um, out of Florida and she really deserves all the kudos for this. I, I edited it, but, but she, she was the one who with great tenacity, it took her 10 months to get an hour of the Trump team. External hey, listen, I, 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 I work on guests for a year to two years. So I understand that completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. She, she got an hour for us. Uh-huh. And uh, we had uh, Dr. Gafanti, who was an ER doctor. He's a fabulous person. He uh-huh. survived. He's another survivor. And um, he also tried to help save his, his roommate's life. But he, he, ended up, he, he ended up failing, and he, he checked himself out of the hospital. Um, yeah, they tried to kill the doctors story, too, right? They tried to kill the good doctors. I mean, yes, that's, that's I mean, whole, he was an ER scandal. doctor, right. retired, and um, and then uh, he was a guest speaker, uh, Scott Shera, of course, who lost his daughter, Amazing Grace. He's been on. Caller. We know about Scott. Yeah, yeah Scott's a friend. You know yeah. about Scott. He, no, well, oh, yeah. Scott was also gave, was part of that, and so was Curtis Bay, who's, who lost his wife in 40 years. Yeah. And... Um, the you know the presentation really was focused on medical tyranny, and I I changed the shift because you know it's going to be the people who are going it's going to be the candidates who are going to speak out because what what um, what this lady that that put this together did was actually I she calculated out between the number of people that died, their relatives, their friends, their coworkers. Their community members, where they may have been part of, you know, a church or an organization like Rotary or whatever, mm-hmm. the number, 
the number of of um, of lives that are touched by missing a person, you know, um, you're basically you probably you're looking at 40, 42 million people who have experienced, who know someone, you know, that they consider it a loss to either their community, their family, or friends, or coworkers. Mm-hmm. That's a big block of voters. And then, yeah. and then the next morning, and interesting, I was on Twitter, and and a guy by the name of uh, Fireman John, um, you've probably seen him on there. And he gets on and he starts talking about he starts talking about the five hundred thousand, you know, firefighters. It's not just his voice; it's the five hundred thousand that he represents. And he's talking about the medical tyranny. So I sent Meg the clip. She sent it to the Trump team, and that is what had them turn around and say, "Well, this is very interesting." Hmm. So they're beginning, you know. And and so what does Bobby Kennedy do? Bobby Kennedy comes out the other day and and he calls out Remdesivir. He calls out Fauci. He doesn't mince words. Watch, no one, no watch Bobby Kennedy. Said, yeah, no watch politician who said the word Remdesivir. Now, yeah. does that mean he's going to get my vote? No, because unless there's significant change, you know, we're, we're, this, this is so massive and so big. This mm-hmm. has got to go after this has got to be, um, it's got to be, it's got to be some kind of RICO case. It's, it really is because it involves everything. So well, this is, is no, this is a, this is bigger than RICO. This is a Nuremberg. This is a massive Nuremberg. Well, trial. it is a Nuremberg, but but honestly, you know, it's it's also a huge RICO. I mean, oh, it, well, it yeah. fits everything. But it's a government RICO. So, it's a government plot. So now, see, uh, so yeah. now, uh-huh. Curtis. Who, Curtis, who who spoke, you know, in the presentation, mm-hmm. he and and uh, another another gal um, are have succeeded in getting an Arizona state hearing, Senate hearing, oh. on this, and it's going to be May 25th and May 26th. Well, and report on that, McCall, yeah. McCall well, here's the will be there. I okay. mean. They've been they're, on the show. They're wanting, I've talked to both of them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're wanting to um Curtis wants to, you know, this is this is the direction, you know. I think everything is going to start going in that direction. The ind- the problem is here's the here's the problem with the individual attorneys and those cases individually. Some of them may succeed, that's true. Um and then they'll you know, there're going to be a lot of people who will settle. Well, that's not going to change the law. Um, even if they even if they do win the case, that will be helpful. It's going to be years and years and years. How many people are going to die with remdesivir if we don't call it out and stop it? So the fastest way to do it is grassroots. State but remdesivir is not a vaccine. It doesn't come under no, the, the vaccine. No, it's a deadly experimental drug, and we've got to stop this stuff because if but they as don't, soon as the emergency, if it's not remdesivir, they're going to use it. They use another drug. This is the yeah, problem. But, but wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Because legally, though, it's not a vaccine, so it doesn't it doesn't come under the the law that uh, Big Pharma is not liable for vaccines. So it's outside that. So the the, the right, emergency but it does come to the standard it comes to the standard of care and the yes 
it comes to standard of care. That is one of the issues here. That's the, the exemption? What, because they declared mm-hmm. a standard of care that it's exempt from liability? That doesn't make sense. No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm okay. just saying that I'm just saying that the if you don't have remdesivir, you don't have a cause you that's killing people. You don't have the dead people to 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 have the vaccine. If you don't have the vaccine, Gilead is left with an empty pocket. Well, Pfizer, Pfizer's left without the vaccine, which Same is an unvaccine. With, yeah, How, Pfizer. Are there I any mean, you know. Are there any studies of people that died in the hospital who did not have remdesivir from COVID? I don't think they've done a study. And the other thing is that you've got to question the one. medical records. Here's the yeah, problem yeah. with the medical records. They lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They flat out lie in the medical records. And you have to go back and you have to go back two or three times in order to get a full medical record. If you ask for the full medical record, what they give you is a summary. Then you have to go back. You don't know that if you're not, you know, if mm-hmm. if you're not, you know, in the in the hospital or medical field. But as you start listening to other people, you learn that, oh, I got to go back. I've got to, because nowhere in my whole summary does it ever mention that I was in the ER for five and a half days. Well, that's because I didn't ask for the emergency room records. I got to go back to the hospital and ask them for the emergency room records I've got to ask them for the daily progress notes, including the emergency room record notes. I mean, you have to be so specific, it isn't even funny. You know, but well, if you don't know it, it. Yeah. Yeah. And, then you, and then you look at it, because when you get it, you go, oh, because they told my daughter that, that no doctor had, had visited me on that Monday. There was no doctor. And then I look in my notes, and there's the consult and the doctor's name. Hmm. Who was there? But they told her that I was having hallucinations. <laughs> so this is a conspiracy. But here's the other thing, too, that's weird about this. Because, like I said, the treatment I got was pretty good until they tried to give me blood centers. And I'm sure that's a big pharma thing. What happened was my chest filled up with fluid, just like if I'd had remdesivir. Uh, I had one lung completely collapsed and the other one was about half collapsed and I could barely move. And I'm going, I'm off to the hospital, back to the emergency room. Uh, but in those days, this is 2016. Um, they, what they did was a smart thing. They drained the fluid out. I mean, why didn't the they do that? With, yeah. But why wouldn't you do that with the remdesivir patients? Why is it that they give you a ventilator instead of, instead of draining the fluid? Because How come nobody's ever asked that question? Because remdesivir went straight to your kidneys. Right. And it, so, but what the kidney, they did was they poked, but the fluid they, they that should have put yeah. in the medical records that they dry people out. They don't give them water, because? and that's what enables the remdesivir to do so much destruction. The reason I survived is because I was drinking drink water, water literally every hour on the hour, at least probably I don't know thirty, forty ounces, probably every single hour. Yeah, and it did. I'm, I'm quite sure it did. So how does the dehydration allow remdesivir to work better? And are people thirsty? I mean, don't they, they ask for they're water? They're very they... thirsty. They ask, they're, de- they're denied water and they're denied food. And it isn't, and, and no matter what, no matter what the advocates say, they just ignore them. I've seen where they've de- ignored court orders or where the court has ordered 
ivermectin. Right, I remember that. And they I, have I know the cases like that. Start, started yeah. for, I don't know, two or three days later. And if they give it, it's, it's like a pediatric dose. Yeah. Here's the question I have. This is, to me, this is the biggest question of all. Mm-hmm. And this speaks volumes about remdesivir. Why, in the history of this country, is a drug that is given in a hospital setting allowed to be given the exact same dosage to every single person, whether no matter what they weigh, no matter what their history is, no matter what their height is, male, female, doesn't matter. So the person who's a 125-pound female gets the same dosage as a 275-pound male who may have diabetes. And they get the well, exact say, same dosage. I would say because that's the lethal dose. That's the reason. Because if you're not trying to cure people, if you're trying to kill them, all you need is the lethal that's dose. Correct. That's correct. That's, that's the right. lethal injection. That's the gas chamber. And it's never right been there. done, it's ever, ever, ever been done in the history, as far as I know it, mm-hmm. of a hospital. No, it's always Every based on medication weight. a doctor gives you is always mm-hmm. based on your weight, your health. You know, any contraindication. Also, male, female. Uh, they're drugs that, uh, who are, Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, people who had, who had kidney problems or one kidney, they were giving this to them. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter. So what is remdesivir? So, what is it? We're still going to find out how you, I mean, like I said, CJ should call us anytime now, but uh, still, there's still more questions. Um, what does remdesivir actually do? It destroys the kidneys. So the kidney, well, so all that fluid. The, the that very first, your body. yeah, the very first right. thing is acute kidney failure. Right. Um, so then the what second happens? thing that, the second thing is septic shock. Which is. Um, well, you know, sepsis is an infection. Um, it's common in hospitals. One of the reasons why they, I mean, to be graphic, um, there I have pictures on my phone of a man who, you know, he, he, he died, but the rooms are kept so filthy. They don't, I wasn't kidding when I said I didn't see a washcloth. There are people who are intubated and have flies crawling up their nose and their mouth. And I have one picture of ants all over this person. This is how, this is the neglect that's going on in the hospitals. I mean, and these are the same people that work there to a large extent back in 2016 when I went in, and they were caring for me properly. Those same not people. Always. You, have tra- you have traveling nurses. Things have shifted and changed okay. in the staffing. And it's when interesting did, when did they change? I, well, I don't know. I, I ran into, well, here at Lakes Region Hospital, it's really interesting. Uh, where well, now, now, now belongs to Concord Hospital in New Hampshire, but obviously the staffing has changed because it's, you have a lot of people, a lot of the staff doctors are from other countries and we're in a tiny, we're in a small city. We're one of the small cities here in central New Hampshire. I mean, I was blown away. I had a Russian doctor just before I left 
my main doctor was a Pakistani. He got his degree. I was looking it up the other day. He got his degree from someplace, either Barbados or someplace like that. They're all from out of, Grenada. you know, they're not. <clears throat> it's probably Grenada. Citizens. Remember the, the Reagan raid on Grenada? Yeah, yeah, yeah. To save the medical oh, yeah. students? Yeah, that's probably where it was. Yep, yeah, yeah. And okay. um, so you have all these, they have questionable backgrounds. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, I mean, I. I was blown away when he pulled out this plastic. It's a yellow plastic stethoscope. They call it, mm-hmm. I guess it was provided by FEMA. Honestly, the stethoscopes in the game operation far more advanced than what this was. When I tell, I could not believe that anybody was seriously listening to my heart with this piece of plastic. It was just... <sighs> It was beyond bizarre. I kept it because, you know what? People don't believe you. I I thought, you know what? I'm going to show people this, you know. And what about the normal Um, stethoscopes they use, the ones with the little uh, diaphragm that actually work? (laughs) One day day a nurse came in, and um, she picked up that thing. She goes to start listening, and she just takes the thing, and she flings it across the room. Yeah. And she pulls out her, she takes the stethoscope from around her neck and she uses it, the proper one. And I'm sure that they were, in, they were instructed, again, scripted, to use these things. And this is why, this is what's so eerie about the whole thing when you listen to all the stories. The scripting of the stories, everybody has their script to play. Mm-hmm. If you have a family member who objects to something and you're a nurse, then this is how you act, you know? And, and what, how did they get this script? How, how did this get so coordinated? Do you think? That's what I want to know. Okay. Because so we have, we have work to do. It's so highly coordinated. I mean, it's clear that they isolated, they dehydrated, they starved, how do they know huh? to do that? How do they know to dehydrate people? They call it drying mm. out. The, the, in the notes and medical drying records, out. we're finding But you that never do that. Everybody knows you lungs. hydrate. I mean, that's been all over news and basic Here's medicine. Here's the other thing that Fauci did was discriminate. He, he, he somewhere along the line, and I can't remember where I heard this, but apparently he just he discouraged autopsies. Well, of course. So you know what Rebecca's autopsy found, and there are other people who. I don't know. I haven't. Know. I haven't talked that about with her. I don't no, know if I want to talk I, about I it until was, she's on the somebody, line. But, you know. I can't remember. I I had somebody contact me that the autopsy showed twenty six times, or I read an article. I can't remember where it was. Twenty six times the amount of normal fentanyl for because fentanyl is used for intubation, you know. But they had oh, twenty six times the normal yeah. They had twenty six times the normal amount of fentanyl in their system. Well that would kill them. Yeah. So we haven't yeah. made it. let me write down fentanyl. We haven't cut the fentanyl connection yet because there's a whole oh, bunch well, of fentanyl. The whole drug in. issue is a whole nother this I've always contended that 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 remdesivir is just step one because when people deny you know, don't want remdesivir, then there's a whole slew of drug protocols that ensue and lead to intubation and ultimately death. So so I used to say all roads lead to vaccines, but all roads really lead to intubation because they know that kills you. 
and and That's it looks right. like you're doing and it looks like you're 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 doing the right thing. Oh no, they're so sick we have to go on a ventilator. But why would you put anybody on a ventilator knowing that ninety percent of them are going to die from the ventilator? Ventilator. Yeah. Why would you do you've, that? After you've been Unless, doing it that way for months, why would you keep doing it? That's exactly. the question. At some point, you have to That's say this question. isn't working, folks. We need to do something well, else. Well, do you look we, at you look at Andrew Cuomo? He gets kicked out of office, or he resigns from office because of the sex scandal. I will right. tell you, it wasn't the sex scandal. That no. was the cover-up because that guy's that guy is responsible for probably thirteen, however many thousands of deaths when he put when he put people into the when he put um, COVID patients into the nursing homes as opposed to putting them on the on yep. the mercy ship that was sitting out there waiting. Mm-hmm. And was basically, that was to spread COVID. That was, I mean, was everything was exactly. done to spread COVID. Everything was done to, to preserve COVID. You know, like I say, all the measures if they, they took. At, it's, it, yeah. If, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, if they aren't acting in a manner in which comes right straight out of the, the playbook of World War II in Germany, I don't know what is. And well, I don't know a, how you wait yeah. to up. You know, I'm going to draw big arrow hang from COVID to, to, you know, COVID to, to Nazi Germany. Yeah, it's it's so similar. It's almost it's almost identical if you start listening to when you start listening to the individual cases. And mm-hmm. even though they have all these similarities, you always pick up some kind of nuance in every interview that you do. Mm-hmm. And those nuances begin to create patterns. This is why there were a group of us, there were like five of us, you know, during the summer last year, um, Mm -hmm. doing a ton of interviews. And and what we were picking up is that not only the, you know, all of these common threads, okay, Mm -hmm. but it was clearly, I mean, it started with the whole concept of it's a script. It's like you don't, People, you don't even have to talk to the person. You can tell them exactly what happened to their loved one. They'll give you a new piece of information that maybe you didn't have before or hadn't heard before, but it's all the same. And when it gets to be that, you know, when the outcome is exactly the same, it's pretty frightening. And they're being very selective. You know who's, who's going to, you know, I mean, Biden came out, you know the pandemic of the unvaccinated. He was not, you know, he was not hiding it. And that's what's crazy. Yeah. And that's the, that's the tragedy. The tragedy is the silence of the American people. That is well, a great tragedy. Uh, they've turned into a bunch of cowards. You know, I got to, uh, I got yeah. Pastor Don Lyon to hold him for a bit. Uh, I want to bring on Josie because Josie knows about people that work in hospitals that were all here on, on visas. There are all these foreign workers on visas, and if they didn't exactly. follow orders, if they didn't follow orders, then they were going to be sent home. So they would happily kill people, well, not happily, but they would kill people under orders. Um, Josie, you've been listening sure. to, to this for a while. Uh, where where'd you come in? Uh, yeah, for a little bit. I don't know the name of this lady on the phone. That's Marie right Clark. Now. She was on you? last week too. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hi, good morning. Uh, yes, I'm the information center in Pensacola, actually. All the nurses <laughs> and housekeeping and all these type of people, they tell me everything. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, Como killed more than 16,000 people. 
and a flight nurse from a local hospital was telling me that Como reached all the homeless or bums on the street, whatever you want to call them, uh, and many, many of them were put under the ventilator because he lied to them. He told them that that they had COVID after they did the uh, test on the nose, and uh, he was cremated them so quickly because he said, oh, there's no family member around. We cannot reach them. And also the nurse told me that a lot of the patients in the bed were mannequin, and they told her to get out because she was telling a lot of people what happened. She came and told me. Uh, uh, There's also a friend of mine that was murdered in one of the local hospitals, and what happened, he was about to be released within a couple of days. And his young uh, nurse, she just graduated. She told me the whole thing. Uh, I'm not going to reveal what hospital, what girl. Uh, I think she regretted it. We just need the story. We don't need the names. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes. The, the story's fine. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, so this guy was about to be released. And when she came back the next morning from her, you know, shift, to her shift, he was in the ventilator, and she was freaking out. She's telling me. She goes, what? I just left him, and he was about to be released in two days. And uh, what happened is this man, uh, he got well, uh, even though they were giving him rendezvous, uh, but they stopped because she told him to stop. This uh, Anyway, so she asked what happened, and some of the other staff told her that, they put a patient fully contaminated with COVID next to him, and this guy had a panic attack. And instead of putting something for him to relax, to go to sleep, they put him in the ventilator. And that's what the young nurse was telling me. And he died. They blow up both of his lungs. Uh, It's just, it's insane what really happened to this man. Uh, It's very sad. He was one of our church members. So... I'm very sorry to hear that. And I wish I could say that he was the only one. There are so many people I have spoken with. The exact same thing happens. They're getting well. They're feeling good. And then in the middle of the night, in the middle of the night, they're either given some kind of medication. They, you know, they become anxious. And if they become anxious, it's their pathway and their excuse to... And and it's even written in one of the medical records for they ventilate for behavior control. Hmm. That's sad. And uh, you know what? I, I, I bump into a nurse that I haven't talked to her in a little while, church member of mine. And I say, oh, are you still in such and such a hospital? She goes, oh, no. She goes, I left. I said, what? She said, yeah. She goes, they were murdering people. That's exactly her words. I said, really? I said, I That's thought why the other hospital. Yeah. I, I said to her, I thought the other hospital was the worst. She said, oh, no. And they know because they all talk about it. But I'm very disappointed. As a Christian nurse, she should come forward and tell it all, even if she has to go to jail. Because you know what? We're not stopping the killing in the hospital, and that's not fair to family members. And uh, some of the hospitals locally uh, right now, they are paying $20,000 bonus. Uh, I just heard that uh, two weeks ago. For a oh, lot of people that, from Puerto that, Rico. That's been happening. 
that that's huh? the reason for that's that's been happening. The Center for Medicare no, no, no. and Medicaid Services. Yeah. Right now, they're bringing people from Puerto Rico and other countries, and they're paying mm-hmm. a bonus for them to move here. And some of them didn't even speak oh, English. Oh, I see. I was, I was dealing with a, a couple from Puerto Rico. They barely spoke English. And so how are they going to administer as a nurse to an American patient in the bed? And they're getting 20000 per person because I thought it was for family. It was a husband and wife. They said, no, it's 20000 per person. Meanwhile, an American person is not getting nothing, nothing. And right now, to kill you on a ventilator in local hospitals, they're getting 120 or 130 she told me, one of the nurses. The price went up. It's horrific. It is. It's horrific. Well, see, now here's what's interesting, though, that uh, people are getting much more skeptical. I mean, the, the booster rate is way below the initial jab rate. Uh, so people aren't doing it. Uh, apparently, there's, I'm reading some of the articles on Substack that uh, you know, parents are rebelling. They're not, they're not showing up. They're not getting their kids, finally, not getting the jab. But here's what, it, or any jab, they're not getting vaccinated at all, which is probably the best thing. But I remember this happened in the 90s, because uh, I remember my daughter was born um, mid-90s. But before that, several years before that, there was a huge controversy. It was the Gulf War. Gulf War syndrome, squalene, you know, the anthrax vaccine was killing all kinds of folks. And people were, were anti-vax then. How did that disappear? How did people get all pro-vax again? And we had to go through this whole thing again. Do people just have short memories? You know, because me, once I, once I changed my opinion, I usually keep it. And so while I didn't really have a strong opinion either way on vaccines, uh, it got to the point where I, when, once I learned about, uh, you know, the, uh, the anthrax and the whole bit in the Gulf War syndrome and the fact that it was all on purpose, I said, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done for my kid. We ain't doing this anymore. And I haven't had a shot in years. And she, she you know, only had a couple in her early uh, early uh, year, and a couple of years. And then that was it. She's fine. I'm fine. Life mm. goes on. But, uh, but people and forgot have, that we went through and this And you already. have now a schedule of, what, 90 drugs give, being given to children before the oh, age insane. of two or three? Yeah. I think my daughter got two I shots, mean, MMR and DPT, the, the classics. And other than right. that, no. That's my kid. That was it. it. She got two. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Hey, Greg. It, it, it's just... uh, hey, Greg. Uh, yesterday you had the guest, and I forgot her name of the daughter that was, her daughter was killed, a young girl. Oh, Rebecca. Rebecca Charles. Uh, yeah. In fact, Marie yeah, was on with her yeah. last week, too. Yeah. I was just listening this morning. That's why I didn't listen to you live. I was listening to that video that you sent me, and I got to listen to most of it. Okay. And uh, she was saying that a lot of Christians were being murdered. And you know what? She's absolutely right, and the reason they know who's who is because on your medical record, they ask you, what religion are you? So they have it in their hands, so they choose, because one yeah, of the nurses, see, uh, a while back, okay. I know, one of the well, nurses wait a minute. No, told the, me a the while reason back, I question they, it. Yeah. wait, 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 the, okay, the nurse told me they choose who they're going to save and who they're not going to save. That's what she told me a while back, and I didn't think about it until yesterday. That you How do they do that? How do, well, I, I will know. tell you. Okay, I will tell you. The, the young lady who I was talking to, um, who was an ICU nurse up at mm-hmm. my local hospital, she had, she had only been nursing like a year, and she was assigned to the ICU unit. There was a man who had seven children in his early 50s, had COVID serious he was in the icu 
She sits down to have lunch with two other people. One of those two people is going to become the manager of the ICU in three days. And Mm -hmm. she says to the two of them, this nurse, she said, I'm very concerned. I don't want to see this man go on, you know, the, um, the ventilator. He's got seven children. The woman who was to become the manager looks at her directly and said, he should have thought of that when he made the decision not to get vaccinated. And that young woman went home. She never slept that night. She went into the HR and resigned from the hospital. Wouldn't be a part of it. She said, they're going to murder that man. Because he wouldn't have a vaccination? Because he was unvaccinated. So that's the question I had before. I, I asked, I remember, I think we, the couple of things we asked. Yeah. How many people have uh, died in the hospital who didn't have remdesivir, who were in a COVID ward? That's my first question. The second question is, how many people, uh, you know, had not had the vaccine, you know, before they got there? And of course, if you had the vaccine, I will you, tell shouldn't you, been, the you shouldn't have been in the first of place. The people, 99% right. of the people that I've interviewed who've lost loved ones were unvaccinated. As to the other piece, I'm unsure. I don't know. We didn't really document that. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to think that. The, and, and these are people that, that got into the health professions because they, they had the best of intentions to actually save people. And now they're singling yep. out people for, for death who haven't been vaccinated. So I question the religious aspect only because I know Dr. Zelenko. Uh, and when he was talking about his, uh, his Jewish community, they were dying. So if it was all Christian, that didn't make sense. And we can probably go around the country in different communities. Uh, I know uh, black communities, a lot of people died, you know, and different races were, you know, uh, it was just, I don't know if it was that targeted, but it makes, but if you're saying 99% of the people that have died um, from remdesivir ventilator, you know, what we call the remdesivir ventilator death march, right. none of them had the jab. So they were targeted for not having the jab. Right. So oh, how would they I, you, and and here's the other here's the other thing medical okay. records and, and it was my experience every day somebody came why didn't you get vaccinated you know this wouldn't have happened if you didn't get vaccinated you're going to get vaccinated after you get out of here aren't you you should be vaccinated within 90 days this is what they were telling me you know it's like it's like brainwashing you know it's like it's like this constant reinforcement this is what you must do if you're a good person you will do this because well, you don't want to kill grandma even though you, you are a grandma. all you have to do is watch cnn to know that yeah i yeah. don't watch cnn i know i mean they were oh. a steady diet cnn msn bc the all of them all the major all the i mean they have the they have the media mm-hmm. and this is where smith month comes into play you know, we get to we get to use propaganda against you. We get to scare you to death, and we scare you to death. We're going to create, we're going to use a drug that's going to create the death that's going to drive you to get the vaccine that's going to make us money. And, and, and can I say? Sure. Yeah. Uh, some of, some of some of my doctor friends they don't even talk to me. To this particular doctor from Peru. She stopped talking to me for a year and a half because she thought I'm crazy and she's the doctor. And then another friend of mine, a pharmaceutical, that her husband is a doctor, her son is a doctor, her daughter is a lawyer. They all took the vaccine. And the doctor from Peru, right now, her mom, she's probably not going to be around long. 
because she, the husband, her husband was telling my husband at church last Sunday that the mom is in bad shape. Uh, she turns her head like that and she starts seeing things. Like she's, her mind is out of control now because of the vaccine. Uh, and she keeps telling me, I'm the doctor and you're not. And I know, I said, sweetie, doctors are doctors and they don't know what's behind the vaccine or, 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 or any type of medicine. The CDC pushes and pushes. And, and like one doctor locally here, young, uh, dancing with me, I told her, give your patient ivermectin. Please, please save her. And she didn't. And she said, well, we have to follow C- uh, CDC protocols. I said, don't worry about the CDC. They're murdering people. She didn't want to believe me. And her patient died after she delivered her baby. And my friend came to dance that day, and I was like, you got the guts to come and dance after what you did? And then she couldn't sleep all night long, and she took a vacation uh, to get away from all this. But you know what? It's not going to go away because it's going to be in her conscience. And uh, all these nurses will pay the price. The blood's on their hands. Very, Hmm. very horrible what we're doing to people. Yeah. Let me just jump in here for a second. Marie, first of all, thank you for staying sure. later. Um, we had, uh, I guess something happened to CJ. She's not able to call in. So we've got about 20 minutes left. So uh, if you want to talk about the, well, we should probably do more study of the CARES Act and CMS. And this, I want to look up the Smith, whatever you, the Smith, uh, Smith whatever we call it. Yeah. Smith Mutt. I'm going to look that up for, for next time. But uh, let's just talk, we got, uh, like I said, a little bit of time left. Let's talk about some, some of the stories that you know and some of the people you've interviewed. Uh, any insight you can put on that? Because we can put it all in this one podcast, which would be great for people to listen to later. But um, yeah. what else? Yeah, go ahead. A couple of, some, of the, some of the saddest ones, and actually Josie just, just touched on it, okay. um, are women who are healthy, young, pregnant women who've mm-hmm. gone into the hospital, okay, and I know one young man, it was their first child, and they told her that because of, because of COVID, you know, she had COVID, and therefore they wanted, to, they wanted to intubate her in order to do a C-section. Of course, she that died. That doesn't make sense. Did. Yeah, that makes. I no, know. Why would you Wait. do that? that so, they're not connected. Well, that's a good question. Then I talked to then I talked to a mother of a 39 year old woman mm-hmm. who had six children when she already when she went into the hospital to have her seventh. Same thing. They told them that in order to in order for the baby to have the best chance, she should be intubated. And they had a long discussion, her husband and her, and they went along with it. And, of course, the baby lived. She died leaving seven children behind. Um, I mean, I could go on. This is is happening all over the place with pregnant women. Do you remember when Um, um, Trump got all the ventilators? He had this big push. He said, we're going to make ventilators all over the place. Was this part of the plan? Was he duped into making ventilators? Oh, yeah. I I, I mean, I'm I'm very sure that that, that Fauci had all this lined up. He he knew exactly what he was doing because, like I said, remdesivir was step one. And if you didn't die immediately from remdesivir, because some people within three days or two days, Mm-hmm. Two two doses and they were gone, um, depending on you know their system. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but if they weren't, you know, it was easy. It was easy after you had given them that many doses to be able, you were weak after you didn't have food and you didn't, especially if you didn't have water. I was lucky I had the water. I was weak because I didn't have, I hardly had any nutrition. I mean, outpatient menu doesn't, doesn't do it in the long run. And that's outpatient if they gave you food. Mm-hmm. So you were subsisting on like five, maybe five, six hundred calories a day. What they That's did insane. was they, what they did was once they, once they, once they started using paralytics um, on these people, and then and then they they basically gave them you know psychotropic drugs. They were hallucinating, and they gave them an excuse that they were combative, and therefore they turned around and they restrained them and once they restrained them they gave them more drugs and then they intubated them and then they continued with the drug regimen some of these people have over 55 drugs in their system and this from the autopsies you got these autopsy yeah. records well, on just this? medical records just the medical oh. records wow so this is all I mean, this is a massive massive nationwide we're talking multi-million person lawsuit you know, or they're going to have to be broken. I'm not sure how they're going to handle this, but, uh, you know, I had a friend that was killed. Well, there um, are class action lawsuits, but they're going to drag on for 20 years. It's not, that's yeah. my point. It's, that's not what's going to stop it. People are going to have to step up. It's going to be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but they're going to have to step up and they're going to have to start talking to their state reps and their mm-hmm. state senators because the state, the state reps can't do a thing until the people themselves start saying, Hey, listen, this, this cannot stand. I don't want to wait around until it happens to my family member or mm-hmm. to my friends or to my aunt, my uncle, you know, my mother, my father. They've got to stand up and they've got to stop it. Hmm. I mean, it's happened in New Hampshire. They're starting to change the laws in New Hampshire but then there's all kinds of stuff happening in New Hampshire. This is going to be a really interesting year up here, um, politically speaking. But we can't wait around for a class action lawsuit, which you know that Big Pharma has more than enough money to drag this on for at least 10 or 15 years. Yeah, that's the problem. Uh, Ed Dad said something interesting. He confirmed what I believed is that uh, once we get vaccine product liability, then uh, these things will be off the market. Uh, and I think they should have liability for everything else as well. We'll see how that works. But so we need to change the CARES Act, the PrEP Act, and some other things. But here's the, here's the wild card in this whole event, and that's Bobby Kennedy. And so we, we have a friend of his, Judy Mikovits, who's been on the show. She talks to him. Bobby wrote the forward to – she calls him Bobby, so I'm, I'm starting to do it too uh, – Bobby Kennedy wrote the forward to Judy's latest book. And so I'm hoping is that Judy can talk to Bobby about endorsing our vaccine product liability bill and that he uses it in the campaign. That would be unbelievably good news. Yeah. It's critical. You know, it's why I, that's why this small group of us who represent a, you know, a lot of people um, did the, did the presentation to Trump because I'd like to do the same presentation to, to Bobby Kennedy's team, you know, um, I, I can probably arrange that. <laughs> I, I, let me let me talk to Judy. I can probably uh, connect you guys. Yeah, well, yeah, well that that would work. Um, I it's it's incredibly important. I think that um, going forward, the massive this isn't an isolated thing. And the problem 
the problem that I see with with um, Bobby's campaign mm-hmm. is that instead of running as an independent, he ran he ran as a Democrat. What does that mean? That means if people vote for him, they're gonna mm-hmm. they're gonna vote in more Democrats, right? And then it goes back into the not control of the House and the Senate. No, not necessarily. But I got news for you. I think yeah. Oh, I, people, well, I don't know. This generation of people vote people, tickets. You know, people voted for right. Trump and voted for Democrats because they didn't like Republicans, but they did like Trump. So how many independents did that? Don't know. Uh, but I, we did don't a show know. a couple weeks that, ago. That, that's the, that is the issue. And, and that yeah. is why, you know, some of this has got to be clarified. Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, I, I, I love that he's running. I, I really yeah, do. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And I don't support all his stands. I'd much rather have Trump. We've, we've pretty much endorsed, declared for Trump. Um, but what I would love to see, my, my dream scenario, is that uh, Bobby Kennedy becomes Secretary of Health and Human Services and fixes this. Oh, that's my dream. <laughs> okay. So, so that would be the best. You know, in fact, we've already picked our cabinet. You know, uh, General uh, Mike Flynn at attorney, as Attorney General, and uh, we picked some other, Doug McGregor as Secretary of Defense. I mean, we, we already have the ideal cabinet already, already kind of mapped out. We'll see. But uh, if, uh, let me talk to uh, Judy about getting you guys together and making that same presentation. Um, and so who was the lead person? Was it you or Rebecca or both of you? Or, uh, no, you know, no. Rebecca wasn't involved in that. Um, it's, the Trump um, presentation. I'm not going to say the person's name in Florida. Okay, don't do that. All right, we'll talk off the air then. There's yeah, a woman in Florida. And, okay, um, that's fine. Yeah. That narrows it yeah. down. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> All right. But, but think about this too. That, uh, and a lot of times people run for president without intending to be president. Pat Buchanan. Typical example. He knew he was never going to be president, but he changed the debate. He raised a bunch of issues. He moved the well, whole debate to, to a conservative direction. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Why would Larry Elder is running for president? Okay. Larry Elder is not going to be president because we all know he's a white supremacist. Right. Kidding. Um, yeah. But the, but well, but, but, he's, like, but he's going like to change Biden. the issue. Well, Biden. Here's yeah. here's the funny part. Biden came oh. in fifth in 2020 up here in New Hampshire. Fifth. Mm-hmm. Not first, not second, well, not this third, is my not argument. fourth. He yeah. came in fifth. Yeah, out of how many? And six? he's going to ignore. They're trying to. Here's here's the real dilemma. They're trying to. We have New Hampshire by law. We will mm-hmm. always be first in the nation. Our law says some states says moves up theirs up. We have to move ours automatically up by a week. So we're very flexible that way, New Hampshire. <laughs> And, and but and they're not even you having know, a primary there. Yeah, it's, it's well, interesting it's, because now that well, the Dems are trying to strip New Hampshire of the first in the nation, and and they're contending the Democratic mm-hmm. National Party is content mm-hmm. is contending that South Carolina should be the first in the nation because Biden has nothing up here, nothing zero. Mm-hmm. But he's never done well. This is the thing when people say, well, there's no proof that uh, Trump won the presidency, Biden won. I said, first of all, let's look at this logically. Forget all the numbers, forget all the vote fraud, forget all the mountains of things I could tell you to prove that, 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 that Brandon lost and that the election was stolen. But let's just look at this logically. Brandon has never done well in a national election. He has never done well, even at his best. He ran like 20 years ago, and back when he had more hair. You know, I mean, it was darker. You know, he actually, and he did terribly. He has never done well. So the idea that somebody who is in a much diminished mental capacity could suddenly do better than the most popular president, you know, of the century, um, when he is at a worse state than he was when he lost 
when he was at his best is is irrational. It is impossible for Brandon to beat Trump in a fair election because he's what? never done well. And he's going to he's not going to do better as a mental incompetent than he did in his prime. And his prime was fifth in New Hampshire. I bet you you go back through the primaries. It was worse than that. In Iowa, he sucked when he ran in Iowa because nobody wanted oh, him there. He's a, he was he's creamed a, in both of them, Iowa yeah, and New Hampshire. I mean, yeah, well, he's a political prostitute yeah. and everybody knows it. Yeah. In fact, he's, he hey, said so hey, himself. Greg. Yes. Go ahead, Justin. Can I say, uh, sure. my feeling is that this Robert Kennedy running for president, I believe he's doing it uh, together with Trump. This is a uh, distraction. Well, that's the Roger Stone thing. He's going to come to yeah, I don't Roger think Stone he's going to come to pass, huh? Roger Stone said that, that they should run as as a co-ticket. You know, Trump with uh, uh, Trump and and Kennedy should run. You know, Kennedy for vice president. I don't think Kennedy wants to be vice president. But no, I think he they're would not going to do that. Yeah, no. Well, they'll be, be careful. I think, he, so that's I my think he would really relish being, you know, Department of Health and Human yeah, Services. Yeah, that's the best place for him. Yeah. So I, mean, I, I yeah. think. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Let me finish because you didn't. Let me. Um, Oops, sorry. I think <laughs> we do that. My my God says this is all a show. It's not going to come to pass, and there's not going to be an an election uh, coming up either. So that's my opinion. Yeah, Marie Josie has some really strong opinions, and and we we disagree on that. Pianki, you've been on the line the whole day. Do you want to get into this conversation? We got a few minutes left. We're just kind of vamping here. Your line's been live the whole time. <laughs> It's just kind of funny. I know he's, he must have got distracted. CJ texted me also. She got uh, she got uh, a bunch of stuff came up for her, so she wasn't able to call in. So this works out well. Uh, Marie, I I'm hoping you can join us. Oh, there you go. I knew you were there somewhere. You got you, you. You've been talking on these subjects, and you keep mentioning day. And people always ask the question, "Who is this day?" What do you, I, I'm, I'm, I know, serve a little in bit, you know, if you're talking, huh? In what context? Day what? I don't know. Well, you say oh, I know day of poisoning, day of killing. When you talk about uh, day five, day they six, don't. it's the days of your infection from the first day when you first had a first symptom. Is that, is that what you, I think that's what you mean. Marie, why don't you talk to Pianchi directly? I, well, I wasn't yeah, sure whether you, know, you said know, day or day. T H E Y when you be, oh, when you be telling yes. your story. Okay, I will clarify. And you say it need to put some names to it because people listen and they get confused. Yeah. Well we I did that right from the right from the beginning. I was speaking about um the history of Remdesivir with um Fauci and um and you know, what Bobby Kennedy said, what Doctor McCullough said uh in response to that. We're talking about the um, NIH, the National Institute of Health. We're talking about the NIAHD, which is the National Institute Against Infectious Disease. Um, When we talk about they, those are the individuals who have uh, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services is incentivizing death through bonuses to the hospitals and to the doctors and to those people who diagnose. Um, And so it involves a a lot of people. It involves the doctors and nurses who have, quote, cared for individuals when they're in the hospital. 
not all of them, but certainly those who have caused their deaths and administered drugs uh, to the extent that a person is incapable of breathing, their breathing is suppressed to that extent that they die. Those are the days that I am speaking about. I hope that helps clarify. Well, now it does, but during <laughs> you were telling the story, didn't it? Well, you you should have called. The, you even, should have said it early, Pianki. We've been we've had you on the line for a while. <laughs> where where well, were you been? But I hear it all the time, and it's not right. uh, it's not cascading of judgment, yeah. or you know, well, it's just saying that when people tell these stories, they'd be talking about these days, and people ask, well, what's their email address, a zip code, or the telephone number? You'll see. Some, sometimes I, I, yeah, but I don't release names. Uh, like, hey, like, listen. Like, anybody is. Go ahead. Uh, I, I will tell you. I I'm happy to share an email address, and it would be Pete. No, not on you. I'm talking about on the days. The days. <laughs> but anyway, you guys yeah. go ahead. With well, your story. <laughs> I will tell you who has that website. Who's building that day? It is Rebecca Charles, and the the website. DeathbyHospitalProtocol.com, and she is specifically calling out all the days. And she's just begun. It's a new project, and it is calling out the doctors, the, the nurses, those individuals who contributed to the demise of people's loved ones. So, yes. Yeah, that, that's much better when you can pinpoint a person. Because I just read yep. an article today where Dr. Fauci said he didn't, he didn't tell no children to stay home from school. Well, you can go <laughs> so to deathbyhospitalprotocol.com. Fauci's and a psychopath. That, let's, let's get it out there. He's a total psychopath. He says, well, you know, he killed a million people. <laughs> well, there's a lot of psychopaths. Yeah, well, I call him Dr. Fascist and the health Nazis for a reason. Um, but so, no, they killed, they killed, uh, up, well, plus the, the million that we know of, plus all the other people that, uh, that died from various reasons, you know, it's all part of their, their grand scheme to remake the world. Um, uh, but, uh, I'm very careful about when I do names. It depends if it's going to, if it's going to helpful to the story or not. See, people who right. are private right. should remain private, but if they're criminals, you know, that's different Then then we're going to out them. Like, like Fauci is a public figure. So we can say anything we want against him. Um, because he is out in right. the public. And, and I, I appreciate says, the, the question yeah. because, you know, mm-hmm. this this is an important step, this deathbyhospitalprotocol.com. Mm-hmm. It is it takes a brave person to do that. This this lady lost her, her daughter uh to the death protocol mm-hmm. and she has the she has the receipt, she has the private autopsy that showed that she was she didn't die from COVID. Her daughter died from from ventilation overuse. So thank you for the question. It's really important. You know, we do get talking in conversation, but Mm -hmm. please share deathbyhospitalprotocol.com. Very important. If you have a story to tell, uh, this is a place you can can air it out and we can get you contacted with uh, with Rebecca. And you can post a picture of the doctor. They're starting to scrub the photos of doctors now off the Internet. Well, take a picture uh, next time you're in the hospital or doctor's office. I mean, people have cell phones. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. This is is technology age. Come on, y'all become citizen journalists. Get out there and do stuff. Do something. I have a. My faith in in the American public was was reduced even lower than it was before when I did. uh, In fact, Josie was there at this rally. So I'm there in Wahoo Stadium in Pensacola, and everybody was there. And I said, okay, get your phones out. And we went to uh, writeyourlaws.com. We went to uh, our, our uh, legislation and then all proposed laws. Kind of goofed that a little bit. It was a funny story. But I got people to our vaccine product viability bill. And so they clicked on the bill. They copied the website. They pasted it into an email uh, direct to Matt Gates because everyone went to contact Matt Gates. And said, okay. So paste the bill link in there and say, I want this bill passed and send it to Matt Gates. I yeah. don't know if anybody actually did because I've been in contact with Matt Gates' office. I went and visited it the, a week later. And... And these are the most active people. These are the activists. This is the 120 probably most active people in the Pensacola area to hear some of the greatest doctors in the world. They actually were there with their phones out, copying links and getting it ready to send. But I don't know if anybody actually sent it in. I haven't heard a thing from Gates' office. I would think that even if 20 or 30, and I mentioned this earlier in the show, even if 20 or 30 people had sent it in, my bill, or our bill actually, um, that I would have heard about it. Because 20 or 30 people represents 20 or 30,000 people. Everything that gets there, they think is, another 1,000 people probably feel the same way. That's, that's the ratio. So you send an email, and it's not just you. It's you and 1,000 other people. That's about how they figure it. Yeah, but well, nobody sent anything. I, but I don't know if anybody even sent one it's interesting. In. They're, all, they're all dancing around this one. They know it's coming. They know it's coming. Who's they? they? Know that, I know somebody that would ask you who's well, they. I will be more specific. <laughs> The, okay. the families of the loved ones who died, and you're talking oh, about that's a movement. That's a movement. That is a that's movement. A, we are yep. a movement. We are the mm-hmm. we are the medical, you know, mm-hmm. freedom yeah. from medical tyranny movement. Yep. Yeah, you still didn't tell me how you get out of the hospital though, and that'll be my last question. Then we'll have to pick it up. Uh, uh, especially, if we, I hope we can come back next week. Well, after the <laughs> after Not I threw the bipap and <laughs> after yep. I threw the bipap away, I mean, they knew that I was just like. Okay, I got, you know, this woman, we got to let You're this one go. Yeah. That was it. So and in I other went words, home on Sunday. It took them a day. It took yeah. them all so day they... to get me out of there, but I was, uh-huh. yeah. Who got you out? And did the family I get you home. out or did you, did you do it? Oh, no, the family, my family coordinated with me, coordinated with the social worker there, which, by the way, I didn't get my, this is what's funny. I didn't get my sign-off on my um, patient's rights for Medicare until Mm. the last day when I left, which I thought was fantastic. I have this wonderful piece of paper that's dated and signed off the day that I was discharged. Isn't that interesting? Well, because they don't have to give, you know, what they really want is last rights, not patient's rights. That's I hate right. to be, you know, joke about it, but that's pretty much what it is. There's no reason to tell you your rights if they think you're going to die or they're going to kill you anyway. Why would, well, why would you need to know your know. rights? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they don't want you to know. Got to know well, before you go. Well, Josie, you have a last so question? For... Oh, this is fun. Let's see if Josie has one more point. Any other questions or, or um, quick comment, Josie? I know we have to go, but uh, the nurses uh-huh. were telling me that they hide all the oxygen machines when they were killing people. But we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, probably next week. Thank you, Marie. Right. Um, God bless. Yeah. Nice to you meet you, own? Josie. Josie's a regular. Nice She's on every Tuesday with uh, with a regular with a Latino report. 
Josie's the uh-huh. one who's been with me since the beginning. She, Josie was there seven, seven years ago, six years ago now, when I first started here yeah, uh, in 2017. Yeah, you do. Oh, you're still there. I didn't know you're still there. I'm saying yeah. something nice about you, and you know she's still there. Okay, fine. <laughs> Josie's my longest uh, running fan. Uh, and still, you know, she used to, actually, I, I got to come by for, used to bring food when I was at WBY. <laughs> she was really great. Stuff. You're too far now. Yeah, you're right. Okay, fine. Well, I'll, I'll drop by myself sometime. All right. Well, come um, Marie, any... It was nice talking to you. Yes. Nice, talk, nice talking with you, Josie, and nice to meet you. God bless you. Bye-bye. Hi, Josie. See you later. We're going to make a video at some point uh, pretty soon here, which should be kind of fun. Um, all right. So, any um, websites, contact information, anything else? Um, not at this. I, I, you know, people can contact me at my uh, at my email address, and that's Pogus Bay, P A U G U S B A Y at protonmail.com. Is that Bay as in B A Y or V as in Victor? Yep. B, B, oh, which one? B-A-1 is in Bay, yeah. Okay, gotcha. B for boy. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Marie. Yeah. We'll talk again. Well, thank you we'll very you much. All right, yeah. take care. Good. Bye. All right, see ya. Wow. <laughs> so this worked out uh, actually very well that Marie had some extra time to, to stay with us and, and uh, you know, fill you full of more horror stories. I mean, are you mad yet? <laughs> you know, have you guys figured out what's going on? Uh, and uh, I think one of the biggest things is that um, people – you know, you think you're, you're alone, that they've isolated you, this has only happened to you. No, this happened to millions of people across the country. And there is, I think, a building rage out there that is going to be so great um, that it's already started. Uh, and in fact, I've been talking to some folks to hopefully uh, um, get you guys even more public exposure. So there's, 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 things in the, there's always things in the work. This is Action Radio. We, we're not sitting around, you know, raising, complaining to an art form. We do stuff. Anyway, this is it for today. I'll be back tomorrow and for our Friday show, 7 a.m. Central Time. And our main website, of course, the show here, blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Our latest website, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. My Substack, and I have to do a new one today, actually, gregpenglis.substack.com. And our contribution site is givesendgo.com slash action radio. So if you know a, a person, donor, corporation, foundation, anything that uh, wants to help make us do what we do better, then please uh, get in touch with me. Uh, I played everything I have to play except for our closing classical theme. So I'll get that and I'll see you all tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time.